for the season seven finale, my interlocutor is Russ Bodnick. A lot has changed in the world of AI since Russ and I first spoke on the Arsenic Show, and so it was time to bring him back. We discussed a lot about what intelligence is, OpenAI's QSTAR, synthetic data, metacognition, and so much more. We also spent some time talking about my time in the White House, AI regulation, and the perils thereof. Lastly, we talk about Russ's current passion around nuclear fusion. So with that, please sit back and enjoy this conversation with Russ Bodnick. It's very important, you wrangle the cats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Quite. In, in, in multiple dimensions, <laughs> metaphorically and literally. Um, yes. Yeah, we've, we've run into situations a number of times the cats have gotten out of a lot of control and wanted to get in and start pawing and crazy and couldn't get a little nutso. Um, you know, there, there's things about this show that I just love doing. And there's things I just, somebody, one of the guests the other day is like, do you love doing this show? And I was like, not really. I don't love the show. That's not why I do it though. It's like the same reason I don't love brushing my teeth. You know what I mean? I don't love it, but if I don't do it, it's like something's broken, you know, my life's messed up. And so I kind of have to do it. If that makes sense. It's more like, it's more like Sisyphus. I've got, I've got a, Funny, I, I read something interesting about Sisyphus the other day too. <clears throat> it's like everyone thinks that Sisyphus is like a is like a terrible story. I don't think it is. I think, uh, well, and that's what the conjecture was. It's like he had purpose. He finally had something. That's what all men really need is a purpose. Something is driving them throughout their entire life. So maybe this is my uh, rock going up the hill. <laughs> well, I, I think you're not alone. And um, there's the notion of serendipity right in beauty and so serendipity are is uh, something that's kind of awesome and great that was unplanned in beauty um takes different forms you know tickles the default mode network in the brain which is not fully understood but following your instinct your subconscious your intuition um is an awesome thing and it, it you can't always verbalize that and we talked a little bit last time about different perspectives on ai and consciousness and in all the cognitive architectures and things that you just feel and have instinctual versus that you can actually verbalize and and i think uh you're absolutely right and we're that's my hope is that as we move forward as a society with ai and all the star trek like stuff um we can have that serendipity those good patterns that thing that um we can't always like logically validate or describe exactly yet it feels good and um, having artists as a mom and an art gallery uh, and talking to designers, it's, uh, it's interesting. And one of my friends, Ken, Ken O'Stanley, um, he's actually working, been working on serendipity, comes from like a AI uh, background, but has found a lot of credence and validation and just general design schools, art, follow your passion, the sort of subconscious interestingness where you're not always optimizing and converging on an exact goal the money the bank account faster race um, a lot of ai and systems are driven towards optimization where it's like less error less error i need an a plus not an a minus versus just the freedom to explore things that that feel good and um, you can't explain but 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 hopefully you never know our uh, great cat grandchildren or great human grandchildren mm -hmm. um they might have some sweet like 
home FRMI that can interpret that. So I, it's, I was going to talk about this much later, but uh, this might actually be a good time to talk about it. <clears throat> just a few tangents, just a few tangents. No, there. no, no. <laughs> I, I think this is kind of interesting. The um, There's there's something about um, humans that is very interesting and, and fairly unique in that we are the explorers. We have this weird explorer gene. And uh, not everybody, obviously. Some people are perfectly content sitting at home, but but for the for those who do have it, the ones that are designed to wander, you know what I mean? That are like, there's something out, there's something over the horizon. I need to know what it is. Um, they they tend to be the the visionaries, the groundbreakers. They they tend to up upend our entire view of the universe, literally in some cases. Um, and there's something when you're talking about AI, there's something that's it's both foreign and very distant. I'm um, oh, sorry, foreign and very similar, but in a but in a way that doesn't. It's not exact one one matching. You're like trying to optimize for something like a race or like get them to do some task or whatever. And there's been a couple different ways to optimize for it. Some some ways are just kind of like follow the left hand route forever or whatever. Some of them are, you know, go go in, go out. You're right. There's different algorithms to do it, but one of them was. Uh, was just explore. Just you get you get more points for the more exp- more newness you've encountered, and there's a lot of ways that they measure newness, right? Because it could be a place that looks exactly like the last place, but is a new place, right? <laughs> uh, so measuring that newness actually makes it the most efficient, I think, current algorithms that they have is like finding that new area that you've never seen before. So when you're trying to when you're trying to beat video games, for instance, the more new the area is, the higher your score would be if you were scoring on those metrics, although the video game may or may not actually do that. It may not give you points for finding a new area. You only get points for killing bad guys. So sitting in the corner and killing the same bad guy over and over again is going to make you rack up points, but it's not going to help you beat the game. And so I feel like there's something true about that with humans, right? We're <clears throat> We're not... Yeah, I could probably rack up points by sitting here and clicking buttons all day and, you know, clicking on my own ad over and over again or something. And maybe there's a way to do that. And maybe that is the most efficient way to do it. But it isn't a good life. You know what I mean? There's something... Beyond gamification. Yeah. There's something else that's out there. I, I totally agree. And that's... that's um, It's interesting to use those words, efficiency. Um, because, again, a lot of the systems that we have from either like an artificial social construct, right? Um, con- very convergent, very sort of rigid, yet part of our evolutionary psychology and part of the wonder of life, whether we can, we're fully aware of it, is that wonder and even that exploration. And in e- some of uh, my favorite researchers are talking about that uh, notion, both in terms of like when they're just talking to the general public versus an actual paper, less focus on, optim- you know, so much of AI right now is optimization, optimization, convergent, convergent, but you mentioned the game. Like I remember um, Grand Theft Auto, World of Warcraft. You know, there's so many people that played those games and skipped the missions, skipped the quests, and just like walking around, fishing, doing silly things, mm-hmm. grabbing a helicopter. And it's it's that interesting expansion and that interesting sort of contraction, those processes, and and that's where you know, in not to like jump around too much, but that's one of the problems with autoregressive large language models. They're awesome super powerful they surprised a lot of people in the research community 
but they're very the the way that they work. You know, every time you have a new token prediction, the tree is getting narrower and narrower because it doesn't really understand the world. It doesn't have an actual world model. Right. And so, although that's somehow embedded in the words it knows. Well, so and this something's is, encoded in there. Yeah. So uh, th- there's there's so many wonderful topics to go around this, but there the notion of I, I love that we're even talking about AI and encoding, and we ha- can maybe hit a general audience. Uh, you know, years ago when I first got an AI in the late '90s, it was a very rarefied air, and these encodings are really important. How the heck do you take the world and we abstract it? And what's fascinating too is the way that our mind does it, which we don't fully understand, but there, there are so many different ways to encode words, like word to the back, you know, putting it into a vector, or we encode video, um, audio. There's a lot of different signals. Um, and, of course, the, even in audio, right, you have infrasound. I've done a little bit of infrasound work. Um, that's all over the place, low frequencies, you know, uh, from... Or ultra high. Yeah, or ultra high. And people are somewhat familiar with ultrasounds with, with uh, 3D visualization of of uh kiddos you know baby pre-baby photos Mm -hmm. before they're born but it but in this this state space of that these ideas both that are like useful for ai which could i think i'm a calculated optimist there's a lot more good than bad to come from it but what's exciting is that this sort of knowledge and this metaphor for like our work and how ai might work in the cognitive state space like of architectures out there like what, how do we create a mind? How does our own mind work? There's that sort of back and forth. So that as you, you know, the, uh, a butcher might say, you know, we, we, we sort of relate our career, um, in metaphorically to life, you know, like, Hey, life is like a nice, you know, slice of meat, give the, the fat, the lean. And so with, with, as we progress with AI and as chat GPT popularizes it, hopefully, then maybe that might help. Um, not only benefit from all the advantages in, in science and medicine and psychology, um, solving world problems, but also help people understand their own mind better and like have a different perspective on beauty and be able to describe things that maybe didn't make sense to them before or even deal with their own mental health um, in a more perhaps systematic scientific way because they were like, oh, this cool chat GPT, what's this all about? Or this cool model that's, that's uh, doing image recognition. So there's hopefully that we're in that time where we can popularize it and talk about it as a species uh, and pop culture, even well, to I some degree. It's out there. <laughs> it's out there. You know, I mean, you, you have Taylor Swift's awesome, like Taylor Swift. <laughs> and then you have, uh, you know, Kardashians and a lot of other, you know, when I first heard Kardashians, I was like, what, Kardashians? Like Star Trek is popular. <laughs> so I was living overseas at the time. Uh-huh. But but the it's exciting. You know, I get to you know hang out with my niece and nephew over the holidays and, and show them uh their chess game right like how the ai can can help them with their chess game and demonstrate the multimodal uh prediction it works it, it works you know we don't know where exactly we are in that inflection like going from linear to logarithmic to exponential growth you know and um it's uh it's exciting and what's also kind of bizarre like kurzweil um he's been you know, 2029, right? He's predicted for a long time, the singularity. And amongst the kind of serious, more uh, strict academic community, that was not necessarily seen as accurate or, or perhaps credible. Yet, the, and again, this is, we need more than LLMs. We need more than just compute. But if you, it's like 16 months-ish is the average, I don't know what it is now, for the doubling of the rate at which we can have performance in an LLM. So it's like 
ChatGPT or similar LLMs have 170 billion parameters, 500. Um, I, in my own work, like day to day, I use like the 7 billion Llama 2 or, or the 13 billion, 70 billion if needed. But what's fascinating, if you actually graph that out, just from a straightforward, simple progression of that, not 18 months, but 16 months of Moore's Law, then around 2030-ish, whenever we get to the 100 trillion, that's the human brain level, synapse, like, you know, synapse in the brain connects to two neurons, mm -hmm. is roughly abstracted-ish equivalent to a parameter and a model in these billions. And it does align with that just brute force prediction. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're missing a lot more um, than just what we have now. There's a lot we don't understand about intelligence and other things we can get to later, but it's, um, it's exciting. <clears throat> well, I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what you say about that. But before we get there, um, there's also something that humans have innately that computers kind of weirdly don't have, or they have it too much, which is randomness. Like Sometimes I'll randomly do something from my perspective. I have no idea why I just did this random thing. You know, I clicked on the wrong button and I'm like, actually, that was kind of a good button press. I never thought about pressing that button before. And I just randomly did it for some reason, you know, spilled a coffee on it or something. You know, I was trying to reach something and I actually clicked the button. But wow, that was that was a great little button press. I pressed there and something interesting happened with computers. If you arbitrarily just throw a rand function in there, it it just doesn't do what people think it should do. It just, you end up exploring randomly and you may never get, to, I mean, eventually infinitely enough, enough time you'll get to all circumstances you're trying to process, but you won't get there efficiently. Whereas a human will also won't get there efficiently, but there's so many of us, we're just randomly clicking on enough things that we are finding a lot by that tiny, tiny amount of randomness. So when you're talking about like temperature, um, and throwing RAND functions into, instead of it being a pure, you know, it's got to be the most likely possible outcome, but it's some, some gradient, some, some fall off. Like, how do you see that sort of playing off, playing out? And, and then subsequently the, uh, neural nets themselves playing around. And I truly mean playing in, in the child sense, you know what I mean? Giving things a try. Uh, you've hit it on a lot of great themes. And so there, by the way, like the notion of play is really important. And that just that overlaps, we talked about exploration, but, but with play, as we have the emotional higher level context, like joyful explore, we are exploring, we are discovering, there's still a lot of amazing subconscious things happening. Right. And, and from a multimodal perspective, you know, the, the brain, as a human, we're, we're used to the lens of how am I going to classify or categorize this? Am I happy? Am I sad? Or is this, what kind of movie is this? What kind of mode am I in? There's a lot of different kinds of play. And so th that, that is a very good metaphor for how, how we think the brain works from the broken where Nikki's region, right? From speech generation and speech understanding, which are only small portions of the brain. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to dissect the brain, but of the 38 classic sort of areas, um, broken where Nikki's are, a, I don't know the exact neuron count uh, or mass count, but it's less than 10%. Mm. And that's kind of where we are with AI, right? Is, is we have that broken where Nikki's- well, then we're getting pretty close. But we're missing the prefrontal cortex. And so- But you don't really need that, do you? I mean, for the reasoning, for the sense-making apparatus, you, you don't really, I mean, I think so, you should have it because I think it gives you more context, but do you don't, 
don't think you really need it. So I would argue that you do to have what we might call, depending on how you define human level intelligence. And the there's a lot more to the world than the discrete representation abstraction that it's human language, right? And then and even the term AGI, like I don't use as much because I find human intelligence is highly specialized. True, true. But if I sent you if I sent you a letter as a pen pal and I gave you some complicated story. You don't have to have your eyes and ears and whatever in the area of of where I am currently to do sense making. Yeah, well, uh, so so it's also written. You know, whenever you're, whenever you are, um, the broken Wernicke is is speech. So it's written text, audio. Um, so the to the the question is like, do you need more than current LMs to have a real world understanding, a good model of reality? Um, is that what you're good basically enough. saying? Good so, enough for good enough to replace your fry cook. Well, so it depends on the tasks, right? And so if they're, for example, like we're making a lot of progress in robotics. Um, the the uh, Ross it was a great operating system for robotics, open source, been around for a long time. Uh, the conference was in in October. And it's really cool to see NVIDIA and others, you know, the, the, the basically pushing forward with this open source robotics because there's, there's not a, a clear winner in the operating robotics operating system. Right. And so the, the idea is what is intelligence? What is a cognitive architecture? Do you need reasoning? Do you like how do you understand your world model? You know, can you plan complex state spaces at multiple time frames? Right. And so. An LLM but doesn't it, have it, a body. But it, it doesn't. It's true. It's not embodied. I think that's what, a huge problem. But it does have context. So if you if you ask it to role play and you put in multiple characters and you say this character's like this, this assuming you don't go too far in this role play where I'll start forgetting, it will keep state. It will so, understand. It will give them the right attributes. Well, and 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 you mentioned a good depending how far you go, right? And so in and that's the, a memory problem. That's a different Well so that, oh man, there's so many good conversations. I mean, we need like <laughs> twenty hours of podcasting. We've we've been jumping around. So so just one really fascinating point that is the difference between humans and AI. Humans, in fact, actually uh, Homo sapiens have a shorter working memory than even monkeys. And so but what that does is it forces incredibly efficient representations of reality distributed representations of reality so we have to build these complex world models and what's really fascinating is that because of that limit like you like if you can't remember more than four to eight things at once like memorize these four eight numbers right like and so ai is why i can't remember my phone number right and so (laughs) there there are from an information state space there's these tricks like like a lot of ai in the world and from a human context is like a cheap trick to some degree so AI has a large working memory, right? It it can has you know as much RAM as you have, right? And like so many of the models, like, That's why like I don't think it's like directly analogous because you could have five thousand people working on the same well, LLM. It's, it's you it can't makes, have five thousand people interacting with me at the same time, right? And it, well, that's why humans and even mammalian intelligence, the cats upstairs, you know, they're much more interesting in my my opinion because AI. Uh, computers have all these or these sort of brute forcey sort of cheap tricks where it's just got a lot of memory like that's not efficient it's not elegant it's not beautiful in information theory how you can compress the, the nature of reality sure. and so that's why when we see computers do amazing things they're they're you know evolution has designed our multiple dimensions of intelligence you know well, and you just, just, you just i think you just in your answer i think you just described how you might do go about it so you have the the situation you're like, hey, just represent this in as few characters you can, as you can. 
it compresses it down and stores that. And so you wouldn't have to brute force your way through every token. You could just hold on to the important bits. Well, so an auto regressive, by the way, uh, distributed representations, amazing, right? And that's the way neural networks work and the art, the, the, like naturally evolved ones. That's the way that um, yeah, it's a core part of deep learning. Uh, and and if you're, you know, it's kind of weird if you're not into the science of it and you haven't looked at like databases, SQL, but people have used Excel spreadsheets, right? And, and so, you know, um, whether or not their databases in voice cog normal form, you know, the, the, the fancy way of, of saying like, uh, can you, is your reality consistent? Is it not corrupted? Is it memorable? And that, that, that applies to a lot of people. So it's, so we, it's fun because we, as a human and as a curious child, we have a lot of intuition and innate sense about the world. And we don't always see that in, in class, et cetera. But so th- this brain has evolved to be really good at calculus in time. A lot of the AI is missing time. A lot of computers missing timestamps. And so that's where whenever we look at AlphaGo, um, again, it has this memory. The problem of Go is not that hard. Like the, even uh, chess, you know, back day, um, back in the day, uh, whenever AI won chess, it was a big deal. But really, it's just a tree search, right? So if you look at a tree, you know, you can draw it out, a graph, a flow chart. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm, it's funny, like somehow, even this is only my second podcast, I'm, I'm subconsciously slightly better with the mic. So no, but it's funny, but that's the thing. Like I, I did not consciously uh, think of that. I just realized like you haven't, you know, you given me the sign. You haven't corrected it. So we're, we're making progress. For those it, who are watching, sometimes I have to do this because the guests start leaning way back. And yeah. Like, Come on. Get but on that mic. Th- th- this mic smells a lot better than uh, karaoke night <laughs> at, at the back room, right? <laughs> I sent it just for you. <laughs> oh, man. Karaoke. AI karaoke. That's that's coming. That's, oh, um, yeah. that, oh, there's so many good subjects. So, so yeah, we, we, you know, I've been jumping around a bit. But the one of the reasons that... Um, when we talk about like an LLM and its limitations in human intelligence, uh, mammalian intelligence and comparing it to what we have in a computer that, that memory, memory, memory Ram, right. Is the ability just to draw out giant ass graphs and put a lot of stuff in Ram. That's kind of a cheap brute force ish trick, right? Whether it's distributed representation or not to, to shortcut J- just like well, whenever you Google something, right? Like well, using cheap in a very weird sense. It's in, very um, expensive. Uh, yeah. Well, ch- <laughs> cheap as in where's the elegance and beauty yes, whenever yes. you just, you know, and, and even getting back to how do we define intelligence, right? Doing useful things in some reasonable time frame, It can be that generalized from a philosophical perspective, but, but, um, but I'd rather have better fidelity and then cheat on the summation of it than the other way around. Then, then have a sure. summary and miss fidelity, and then I have a question about the raw data. It's like I don't know what you're talking about because that's too far long ago or whatever. I can't remember. Like I'd rather have all of the data and then pare it down, then pare it down, and then don't have all well, the data anymore. So this is, uh, and again, I, I I'm just tickled that that um, things are moving sufficiently fast right now you know we don't choose when and where we enter time space and i'm grateful to be here with you as a, as a good friend Are you and sure maybe we yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i have um i have a few talents time management is not one of them like am i do i have temporal diversity am i temporally challenged yeah. like <laughs> yes, you, i think you are 
but but what it, I've seen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and but that's also a common trait amongst des designers and artists and others that really kind of get to their creativity sometimes. Doesn't it's not a requirement, but it, there is that um, trend I've noticed, and and so. You know, oh, we have so many good topics. I know there's not enough time to get into all of them, but there, there is this with the LLM and the deeper context and understanding and the difference between what portion, what we think are cognitive architectures and how the, how the heck does intelligence work? It's amazing how fluent they are, right? Like they're very powerful, very good. But, but again, you, and you said it earlier, it depends on how deep you go. If you're not familiar with for templating, first drafting, et cetera, you would be remiss in your duties as like a friend or a human to not use AI. You know, it's, it's like you're an accountant that's doing everything by hand. Right. You know, we're at, everything up. we're at that time. So, but it does make mistakes though. So you do, absolutely. Need, to, you need, do you need to double check its work. Absolutely. But to me, that it, it seems like it's analogous to like, like let's say you had a big company and you had this employee who was just a rock star, was always pumping out great work, but every once in a while they'd screw up. Would I throw the baby out with the bathwater? Would I say that guy's fired? I'm like, no, that person's amazing. We should get that person an assistant to double check their work and make sure everything's golden because they just pump out so, like the the aptitude and the the amount of hard work that that guy puts out is amazing. But he needs somebody to double check his work. Absolutely, and 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 this is nothing new. Now, I mean, it's been almost a year and a half since we spoke about it last time, and we spoke, I think, right before ChatGPT was released. Uh, that was like July-ish, I believe. And Jeez, I don't remember. Because we were talking about Bard. We weren't talking about ChatGPT yet. We were talking about Google Bard at the time. Were we? Yeah. And um, the it's moved so fast. And one of the most exciting things uh, was, you know, my joke as a scientist, uh, lazy scientist, you know, uh, engineer, educator, sometimes uh, consultant, is that... The, I have the easier part to come up with engineering and science solution, but the, t the politics and funding, and since that time, the politics and funding part of the equation has exploded. People, there's so much money in it. Do you we, know we were talking Bill about, rights? we were talking about lamb, lamb, not lambda, lamb, lambda. We were talking about lambda is what we were talking about. And it was in reference to um, Lemoyne, I forget yeah. his first name, um, spacing out his first name. He was doing like the ethical red teaming. Right. But, you know, but he was like a philosopher. He yeah. wasn't even like a technologist. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're right. I don't, maybe we weren't, maybe ChatGPT had just come out or, or hadn't just it, come out or something. It was in beta, but it hadn't, it had not captured the public eye. That's for gotcha. sure. Well. Okay. And, that, and that's where everything now, just between the last 18 months that's where it's it's my opinion it's, it's so exciting because so, that side of it has okay. changed so, but we but the information theory my opinion as a quote-unquote expert we are still missing a lot on the path towards strong ai which is i still give it at least 20 25 years at the earliest um For but agi human level i i think i'm not a big fan of agi but Mostly because I, I I view the human uh, intelligence as highly specialized, okay, okay, but okay. human level. But, but, I, but yes, AGI. Okay, but I gotta I gotta be clear on this. Do you mean something that'll pass the Turing test, or do you no, mean no, no. has emotions and is bummed that its cat's gone for a day or something? So well, actually, th this is a. Do I don't mean, know if what do, you, what do you mean by AGI? I guess so because I feel like we can get there way faster than that. 
I think I don't think we're. I think there's a lot we don't fully understand still, and so so this is where it's a long discussion. But the problem is the LLMs still don't have a good understanding of ground truth of the world model. But like, no one does. Well, like you we human, have human level, not extra human level. So the the things that a five eight a five year old eight year old can do, like go wash the dishes, right? Our in, our our understanding when I raise this and I drink my yeah, coffee. Yeah, but but you're talking about embodiment. That's a separate issue, and I do agree that is that is something else going on there. But just its ability to process text, because that's what it's currently doing. You don't feel like it'll pass the Turing test in 25 years? This is a good question. So I don't, the Turing test, uh, you know, I never met Alan Turing, sadly. However, um, I think the Turing test is not really, was was never a good measurement of intelligence, right? Like It's pretty useful. If it, it's if useful. It, if it can convince you there's a person on the other end of the line. But it, it but that's, that's, um, that's not my opinion that's not true intelligence it's not uh, it doesn't have so how the hell do you define true intelligence yeah, right like beyond just doing something useful in a period of time and and so we don't really know right and so but there are i will no, say no, this no, is no, my oh no, come on that's this a is um and again I, i'm kind of old school right like i'm a fan of uh yashua bengio uh yon lacoon ken stanley uh jeffrey hinton and some others um, Demi Sasabis, you know, these are the ones that are popular. There's others that the, some friends of mine, the researchers, nobody knows about, but, or at least, you know, not, not in the common public. So it, what AI is missing, my opinion, that it both from a uh, philosophical and actually like how the heck do we start making progress on this is again, is a good world model. How the hell do we abstract reality into zeros and ones? Yeah. But, and, if, but if it can do that over text, why, why don't you think that's a useful... You no, know, it is incredibly useful. It's amazing. But but it's not... Uh, it doesn't have... Under, it's easy to be fooled, hallucinate. Like, so, for example, I, I asked... Um, uh, okay, no, okay, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about two different things here. I'm saying if we can get past those issues, uh, hallucinations that are no more frequent than your own hallucinations, which, you know, you dream at night. It's always going to have hallucinations. Yeah, yeah, I know. But hold on, no more than yours, right? You you think uh, a bird in the in the bushes is a tiger? It's not a tiger; it's a bird. Uh, so it's a brief hallucination where you're like, "Oh, this, oh no, no, it's not." Yeah, so, but the, but I would argue the LLM hallucinations are much more serious than that. Today, I'm saying get to the point where that's as bad as yours are. All right, um, it it cannot be embodied just because there's too much between here and being fully embodied. Um, but let's take that off the table for now. Uh, but its ability to rationalize and reason and give emotional responses that are close enough to being human that you would not be able to tell the difference. And you don't think that's intelligence? So whenever I chat with an LLM, I can I can often... Um, no, I don't, I don't think that that is human level. There's a lot... We do a lot more. So for example, our ability to have an actual understanding of the world around us beyond just the text right like so yeah, but if it can fool you that it has that understanding how is that yeah but that's like, one dimension right so it doesn't have grounding in physics and embodiment like i can't like yeah, a robot take, cannot take, go take embodiment off the table because because that's but see then that then then my my understanding and definition of intelligence and in my opinion amongst the consensus amongst the experts too and this is this is my interpretation of what I consider some of the the best people in the world, best institutions, research labs, academic and and otherwise, um, that they would 
this isn't just me. This is also very much their opinion I, I, on, I, on the subject. I, mean, I hate to break ranks from all of the world's best, but that is intelligence. If, if I, if I cannot tell the difference and they're able to perform functions at the same level as a person. Yeah, but, and, but have it, have it go that, make coffee. That? Like, no, no, that's embodiment. That's a different problem. And if anything, it's like a, if I go to, um, you know, Fiverr or something, I'm like, I've got some project I want you to go do. And it's able to do it at the same level, uh, which is not to say very much about Fiverr. <laughs> Sometimes you get some really crap out of them, but if it can do it at that same level, I mean, it is effectively operating as a human and that person, you, you would have be hard pressed to tell me that the Fiverr person isn't intelligent in a human sense. They are, they are embodied, but that's not relevant to the task. The task is just give me some output. Like I need them to produce you know, a blog post for me or something. Five bucks. Here's a blog post. Cha-ching. It's transactional. Oh, it's kind of garbage. I need to fix these five things. They didn't hallucinate, but they have wrong information. I need to fix this and this. I mean, how is that? How is that so, not human level in the in the most in any way that would matter? If if you are def- in a if you have a well defined task, right? Because well, so first of all, it's does not learn on its own, right? Like so, you it doesn't have a sense of time. That's a big. That's a time is one of the hardest things to do, and without a without a reference to time, you know it's 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 difficult to have causality to have true context understanding how things change over time to have calculus right and and so if you if you define intelligence as the things that an llm can do as a advanced stochastic parrot um, on this particular subset of tasks uh, if that is how you kind of narrowly define it i don't think that is the and again like this is a philosophical there's more to it than that so it's We're, we're saying llm without with this is actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine because people say it's like a, it's autocomplete. It isn't. Uh, if it were purely autocomplete, it would be autocomplete and we would not be impressed by it because we have that well, on our phone right now. So it is, I, my, it definitely my, is doing more than that. There is a neural network behind it. Well, it, so, so again, deep learning neural networks are amazing, right? And, but, but the kind of deep learning neural networks we have alone is not necessarily sufficient, my opinion, uh, for the what we call human level multimodal true multimodal uh the ability to accurately understand the world around you to reason to to learn to continue to learn to reason over that world inference a lot of times what it's called and then to have planning in multiple time frames like hierarchical planning okay so in the hierarchical planning perspective too that's another discussion like we're still really far from that in the field of ai uh... I don't know that we are because there's a whole bunch of like baby AGI. I don't know if you've ever played with that. It's kind of garbage. Um, but basically that's all it is. It's like, I have a task and it's like, break these down into tasks you can perform. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Now go and see if you can perform each one of them. Oh, that was too hard to do in a single prompt. Fine. Break it up into sub prompts and, and it kind of does that. So that's hierarchical. Um, but if, if I were to try to sort of steel man my own, argument which i i think i might need to modify based on what you said uh because i didn't include time because i think that is actually quite important um i think the three things that are missing is one is memory um as you said once you run out of tokens it's it starts forgetting things that's bad that's really really bad 
I think it's missing uh, metacognition on top of its hallucinations to double check. Like, are you sure this is real? Like, go double check your work. Like, actually find references to this on the internet. If it's not true, then it's not true. Like, you, you got to find something to prove what you're saying. You can't just come up with this garbage, right? Um, and that's very similar to how our system two thinking is. Like, we think there's a bird in the bush, but there isn't a bird in the bush. And our system two goes, hey, wait, that's probably not a bird. That's probably not a tiger in the bush. You're using system one, system two. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then it's also one thing I think is truly broken about all the LLMs I've seen and, and maybe not Grok, but I, I haven't tested Grok enough, uh, is censorship. There's a lot of censorship built in these systems, which is kind of lobotomizing the capabilities of the LLM, which makes it very unuseful for a lot of the research I do. Um, and so therefore it would never beat a human on even very simple tasks, uh, in these areas that it's automatically censoring it. So rather than letting metacognition go, Hey, are you 18 plus? If you're 18 plus, then I'll give you the real answer. If you're 18 or under, if you're under 18, fine. I won't give you the, any not safe for work stuff, or I want to do some research about somebody going to kill themselves for a long time. I couldn't get it to output, um, uh, suicidal ideation quotes, like, or things that might be related to it for research, for a project. Like I'm trying to, have trying you, to help people here. And it wouldn't, wouldn't if I may ask, have you, are you, have you tried, um, some of the open source models like Vicuña without the filters, without the, I've tried probably 10 of them now. Um, it's, it's everything else that's wrong with those. Uh, they're just frankly, not very good. Uh, if they were better in, if they were closer to ChatGPT at least three, five, I th maybe even three. And I'm really three, five is kind of my lowest barometer. When, three, five is when it started having some sense of, uh, of what was going on beyond the conversation. Like it was started like, like in inferring things a bit better. And four is like way better, like way, way, way better. Um, but I don't know if I've tried that one in particular, but I've tried, like I said, probably 15 or 20 of them now. Um, most of them just are the token generation is way too slow to be useful for anything I would ever need it for. Uh, so therefore only good for testing and not good for anything production. Um, but I was also running it on, you know, commodity hardware. So, um, so you're running models locally. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, well I run them for a couple of hours and then I decide that's never going to work. And then I toss them, but <laughs> you, you know, I've, I've been impressed by, uh, some of the projects and work that I've done, <clears throat> some of the outputs of um, the quantize, you know, we get down to like four bit, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's w what, depending on what you're asking it to do, right. You know, and if it's seen it before, but it's, it's, and, you know, again, like how well this has the, these models have worked, the fluency, the practicality. Um, it's surprising, like personally knowing the architecture um, and in wanting neural, I've been a neural network champion for so long, like part of my career in my life back in the day, people were like, get out of here with that neural network stuff. And that's when I wanted to get my PhD. Um, and, and at that time when Jeffrey Hinton was publishing papers at the neural network conference, he actually, uh, remove the world neural network because they were so biased against it. And of course the peer review process is a whole other discussion, but so, so I, I'm very excited that we're having this discussion and neural networks are becoming popularized and, and distributed representation, um, stochastic gradient descent, back propagation. These are, these are not cheap tricks. These are incredibly powerful, um, 
sort of like we have the laws of physics. You could think of these as the well, the laws of intelligence well, of information so, theory. So, so if that makes sense. So back to the gradient descent for a second. Um, I think that the reason it's so powerful is because of the language itself. Like if the language weren't language, then I think it would have a harder time. Uh, if it were, if it was worked completely different, a language didn't work at all like language works. I think you'd have a harder time. But language is near other language. And when you're having a conversation... It's it like is, statistic co-location. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And Which some say, that, like, is that all intelligence is, is statistic co-location? I mean, it's, it's more than that. But. It is more, but maybe not a whole lot more. Because we, we have encoded into us meaning and semantics of each one of those words, of the word choices, and the combination thereof. So we could come up... I can come up with a, a couple of sentences that you've never heard in your entire life and you know what they mean. And the only way that works is if we have underlying meaning of all of those things and the nearness of them to other things and the uniqueness of them is, is the excitement of them and the, the novelty of them. If Which we, is one of the reasons why um, when it comes to language, translation works so well because there are these, these sort of potential... Um, these core ideas of, of how we as humans represent reality, whether it's in Mandarin or English or Spanish or French, and, and that there is some idea in information theory and state space that because of that, whether we fully understand it, that's, it's why it's so easy to translate between the languages. So you, you were talking about... But it's still so hard just to have it understand object permanence, motion, prediction... For now, and that's because that that seems easy by comparison to understanding the meaning of a word. You know, you might think so, but no, no, I think I think that is part of the part of the LLMs and the reasons they work so well is because humans have already done the hard part, right? Like we, it's building off of our entire evolutionary history and written language and Wikipedia and a lot of the discrete. You can iterate over tokens because they're discrete representations of reality. And, and not not to get too on a tangent, but this is also very. And again, th- this is um, theory, but also part of. There are more um, Yasuo Bengio's G flow nets, uh, joint embedded probabilities, um, cl- sort of the the optimization for classic Bayesian um, prediction. You know, I, I won't get too boring with with math, but. It's funny, actually, how many hackers in the security community are not big fans of math. I find that sometimes okay, interesting. But, but, but back to what a token is. So if I say plant, plant is a, is a bit of a weird one. Um, let's, but let's that has a discrete representation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's, let's pick something like this. Versus word. like the infinite state space of energy flowing around us but, and but audio no, visual No, no but let's say, just pick, that's, well, that's a lot of tokens. How about good? The word good. Like, you know what good means. But good might mean something very different. I, I heard a, a friend of mine once uh, from another country. I was talking to her. I'm like, oh, you're a friend. And she's like, we're not friends. I'm like, I talk to you all the time. What do you mean we're not friends? Like, we're friends. We're, but we are friends. Like, we hang out at conferences sometimes. Like, we're friends. Like, we've had drinks together. What are you talking about? We're not friends. She's like, no, I want, like, she's like, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but like, I have two friends. They're like, they're the, they're the ones who know everything. And I'm like, oh, um, and she was like, she was having trouble kind of translating in her head. And so to me, that word means something very specific. It just means like somebody I see all the time and I'm happy to see when I see them. You're my friend. But for her perspective, we're not friends. We, we're like definitely hard. No, not friends. You don't know my social security number. Like <laughs> You should know everything about me. 
that's encoded in her version of that same language. So how do you know what ground truth is when the truth isn't even the same between two people? So I think it, I think what, I think why LLMs are useful is be precisely because there's a mean to them. It's like, what do they, what does most people mean when they say friend? And that, and that is good enough. And enough people are going to understand what they're saying when they say it, that it's going to sound an awful like a real person. Right. But if, if you were to, so there's papers around this, right? So Paris, for example, Paris and London. So an LLM, like you can teach, you can correct someone, right? You know, Paris is the capital of France. London's the capital of UK. And you can teach someone easily. LLM, you can't do that. So if, if an LLM is in, because it, it doesn't actually understand, it's just statistical co-occurrence of words from one perspective. And no matter how much you tweak it or give it new information, you know, uh, there are others that, that think LLM is a dead end on the path towards strong AI, AGI, human level AI, right? And, and I don't think it's a dead end. I think it's important. Um, but it's the way that it works. You're just getting to this narrow, like we we're just like we we're talking about, like the humans have this ability to wonder, to be creative, to be serendipitous. And well, in AI, like w the way that it works, each time you type in a new token, the auto regressive nature of an LLM is you're getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And it's, it's not even possible to get back to Paris or London or France. You're just going down that, that uh, path, that and tree. If, and that if you, if you went to ChatGPT today, it would totally know what that is. So clearly there's more going on there. Well, so here's where there's an, by the way, it is, I'm not saying it's not possible to have even bigger LLMs and they're so crazy big that you, they can represent all these different versions of reality, like an infinite multiverse. And then you contract from that and you, you pick and choose with like highly engineered curated data sets to an extreme degree. That's possible, but it seems less elegant and less efficient than trying to have a multimodal representation of the world to begin with. And then two, figuring out, you know, again, not but to that, be repetitive. That feels, that feels like a lookup table to me. Like you have, well, you have your LLM and then you have a tiny bridge between it to a structured data where it can go ask questions of the data. It's like, what's the... And, and, you, and maybe that's kind of a metaphor is that an L, what LLM is to uh, intelligence, perhaps a lookup table is to something greater. I mean, lookup tables, jeez. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like a really good example in a normal life. Like a lookup table would be my address or something. It's like, I don't need to be creative about an address. It's, I don't, there's nothing, it's just a rote line in a well, database in my brain, basically. And it just sits there and it doesn't really change. Occasionally it changes. Like once, a, you know, I move or whatever, a couple of years or something, it changes. But it's not like constantly evolving where I need to be thinking about it at all times. It just sits there, just kind of taking up space, but it's useful. So I keep it there. But, but you have objectives and you have... Uh, you have attention allocation, right? And so, uh, and, and I love that the now there's articles on what's, you know, what the problems with LMs, hallucinations, and agent-based AI, objective-driven AI, right? And so these aren't just, this isn't just theory. That, you know, in, in the field of, of AI, machine learning, a lot of the stuff is, a lot of these ideas are decades old. And we finally have the engineering and, you, just little things like Relu, right? You know, where, where the, the older days we had these sigmoid activation functions, which are computationally, they look like an S shape. So, so uh, you're, you're the abstraction neural network of the brain, right? You have, you have uh, neuron, axon, neuron. Axon is roughly the connections in the brain, 100 trillion-ish in um, 
the human brain, maybe even more, maybe a thousand trillion, we don't know, um, compared to billion, hundreds of billions. And so whenever we are iterating over this space, it's, um, it's, uh, my neural network just crashed a bit. I need more coffee. <laughs> but I don't, I don't need to know that this cup is embodied. I don't need to know that it's sitting on this table right now. I don't need to know. It might be, you, you might not have it in your to, to, attention allocation, but no, subconsciously yeah, yeah, that true, motor memory. True, true, true. But to do embodied things, I need it. But if I'm going to type an email, I don't need to know any of that crap. It's it's garbage information. Well, it's, so, so, it's, so it's it's really use case dependent. Like if if we can keep the use cases specific enough, if if you need computer vision for a purpose, great, use computer computer vision for that purpose. But you don't need it to b create structured content like format into a you know a legal document. Like that's those are totally different discrete functions. Why conflate them so, and treat well, them all so like one, one big thing? You know, you and I probably agree a lot on this. I think it's, it is the level of intelligence that it's that 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 here's, here's chat bot will is a subset of human, not equivalent text because, human. Level. Because it seems like what people are trying to solve is something that is not human like. Because I don't know any human who can physically know where every single thing in the room is and also nope. write a contract at the same time. They just can't do it. Well, it, so what are we really talking about building when you're talking about AGI? Yeah, well, so that's that's another fascinating topic. Know where everything in the room is, right? And that's where the one of the reasons we may be more intelligent than a squirrel is because we can't remember where everything in a room is. Like, so so monkeys and squirrels, as we understand it, have a larger RAM than a human. Like a squirrel can keep an active memory of where its nuts are and it's buried. And, and, you know, they do, they do tests with monkeys. Like they have to play this game, memorize all these cards, and then they get a reward. They can go beyond eight, right? Like humans are four to eight, but then obviously we have something more than squirrels and monkeys. But what's fascinating on this path, if the beyond LLMs to human level intelligence, like improving our world models, improving our ability to have automated learning, reasoning, inference, and then th those two things we're actively working on, we're getting close. The ability to have multiple time steps and plan hierarchically, that like if anyone's lo looking for a PhD out there, like hierarchical, pla hierarchical planning and multiple time dimensions and frames, like get, drinking the coffee, doing the dishes, driving here uh, without seems, the Tesla. <laughs> that seems doable to me. So that, Cause, cause that I, you know, and from one perspective, it, it is kind of weird. It, it seems like, it seems, oh, well, five and eight-year-old could do it, no big deal, but... And it's just a database. You're just like put stuff in the database. It needs to happen by this time. Yeah, Can I make it between point A and point In fact, we already have some of this stuff built into Waze or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, but it's be here still, but, but it's still. But in clearly, the way that it was built in, though, is not particularly efficient. So like reinforcement learning, right? Like like it, it, they would need, they'd need thousands of examples of these things to have an understanding that is still not as good as a human or a cat. So a, a teenager does not need to drive off a cliff a thousand times in a car, right? We can simulate, we can predict, we can have a world model. And a lot of our brain, like when we're catching a ball, right? That's less vision. That's actual like complex physics and prediction, right? And so w w when you get older and you get dementia and things, right? Like some of these things start going. But that's where it's, it's fascinating because... I, hot dog, no hot dog. And yeah, I don't know if you know that joke. Yes, I do. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, Silicon Valley. yeah, oh yeah, it's a great show. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm grateful that there's pop culture references to machine learning examples. Yes. And, 
in multiple dimensions. So as as we are trying to figure out how that works, like so, for example, of the Tesla, right? Like there's ways Tesla and others are pushing forward fast, but they are still having problems when it's highly inefficient the way that they learn, right? And and that is still in a low parameter space compared to what the human brain is, right? And so, you know, $4 million, $4.3 million was uh, ChatGPT3, I think. I don't know the latest uh, to train it, you know, $4 million-ish. And and then if you scale that up to the brain, that's like, would have been like 30 plus billion, 40 billion-ish dollars to train something close to a brain. So these LLMs, again, the way that they're, they're working, as impressive as they are, there's still something fundamentally very different from what an LLM doing and what human brain is doing. And, yeah. and what's also interesting but is, too. Isn't that okay? I mean, why do, why do we need them to be identical? Well, if, if they were more efficient, if, if there wasn't, if it wasn't in nearly impossible to tell the LLM, um, Paris is not the capital of London or Paris is not the capital of UK. Like you, you, you can't. And yet it already knows that. No, it doesn't. So it so, so well, I mean, if you ask it, it will give you the correct answer. It, it does make mistakes, and there's if you try, you will find all sorts of mistakes, and then try to go like where exactly within the LLM, like where are those yeah. weights and probabilities from the idea of Paris being a place connected to something else, because it is only in that discrete human level language state space, which um, which we got the we got there because. In the natural, you know, arguably the prefrontal cortex is one of the most interesting evolved things over time, right? And so when you start going back from the prefrontal cortex to the cortex all the way down to your 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 brain uh, stem, the the what's fascinating and also very interesting is that what separates us from monkeys, and then as you further go down, is only recent in evolution. So, so there there is hope that. That we are not that far away from discovering, like the laws of physics, the laws of intelligence, the laws of of how do we have more accurate representations of world models, the laws of more learning, like a human does, with just a few patterns and just kind of observing, self supervised observing the world. And and what's interesting too is even like cats, right? Like we assume cats, the cats are very agile, but not when they're born, right? And so your amazing cats upstairs and my niece and nephew, that when they're born, right, that there is that what is the world faces objects and you know the the visual cortex right you have the dorsal and the ventral and we started with path planning sort of first like navigation path planning where am i can i grasp us and then object recognition later evolution perspective and and then eventually we work all the way up towards the prefrontal cortex um which is again part of the the parts of the that makes a human a human and then of course, you know, you get back to the, what we think maybe the default mode network, right? Which is uh, the the this distributed long network of different parts of the brain. That's why beauty is so interesting because it's not just one thing. It's like a feeling and intuition it can be visual, audio, etc. So th there there is this we think this path towards human level, and we're on it, and it's moving way faster than people predicted. But it's not LLMs. It's not ChatGPT. Now, within the stricter context of useful chatbot, text-only drafting, poetry, oh my gosh, like, what do you do now if you're a poet? I mean, ChatGPT is, a, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what it can do with poetry, it, and, and I love the, the cheesy ChatGPT jokes, right? Like, you know, I just the holidays or whatever, friends and family, like, give me a joke here and there. And, you know, it's, sometimes they're kind of cheesy or not. And, and so... 
they're I'm all, to me this is all good super excited but one of the reasons that I'm trying to understand and communicate um, why LLMs are not going to just suddenly have their own agency and kill us and and do lots of nasty things uh, because they're lacking a lot of stuff and so we we still have that two yeah, decades yeah. Well, plus so, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. before one, the legislation before one, the bad things one, okay but the things I said. Um, Just a few meta, tangents, a few tangents. A, a, meta, a metacognition <laughs> layer, removing censorship, which is complicated because you do actually have to find somebody willing to do it. So an Elon Musk. Yeah, but you're still like sort person. of like, po- you're, you're. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, and, um, God, I forgot the first one, um, whatever, whatever the thir- first one was. Um, and then you, t- oh, more memory. That was the first one. So you tie all that together and then you put a loop on it. You just like here's a task and here's a loop um, set of rules that I want to continue to apply it to, which was BPAGI, by the way. That's um, what people are doing now, by the way. That is that is that is coming fast. It's I mean, here. I mean, w- well, not the more memory and the no censorship. I mean, not at least not well. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot between here and there, but. Um, but let's say I can get all that done. But I feel like that's like a year or two. I mean, I feel like I could do it with today's technology. It just wouldn't be as good as it could be in two years. Uh, so you, you, uh, we could, we could, uh, dare we, is this the time, Robert? Do we, do we make some predictions? <laughs> if you want. Uh, why, you don't need Vegas. We'll just make predictions. <laughs> it, you know, and, and that's, that's another interesting thing too. I've, I've seen um, some of my favorite uh, science celebrities make predictions and get burnt. Um, but I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm saying this is technology that's not terribly it's, difficult. Yeah, but it's still it's still it does, not it going to be able to. Okay, okay, okay. Right, here, it, here's the bridge. It's going to be so hard to tell it. Here, here's, like simple things, like Paris is the capital of France. I don't need it to do that. I just need it to hack a ton of websites for me and cause tons of damage. That is totally doable with today's technology. So, and 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 again, you know, not to be repetitive, but I think the 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 way that you are you are talking about narrow AI in some sense. Not as narrow as the previous definition, but still um, narrow-ish. Narrow-ish, domain-specific-ish subsets of intelligence and AI. And, and I, within, I, the, within I, that I know, definition and context... I know, I know then, why you're saying yeah. that, and I... It's super I, I useful. Could, I, could, I could agree and I could disagree. So I will, I will do both. I will agree in the sense that I don't need the AI uh, to care about puppies and kitties. I just don't. That's not relevant to the task, but I do need it to be smart enough to write an email that makes sense to people and make them click on a link. Like, and that's pretty far down the path. I mean, that's, that's pretty complicated human level articulation. So, so what I, what I will say, and what is really interesting, we don't fully understand. And, and this is, um, I mean, again, this is not, this is, you'll hear this from a lot of people. Um, at uh, OpenAI, Google, Facebook, etc., that they're in how even though I'm saying that LLMs are missing a lot of stuff that, that doesn't give them accurate representation of the world, inference, re- reasoning, planning, much less planning and time, there is this notion of how far can you push their compressed representations of reality in, in compression, right? Like there is within the, even though it's just text and it doesn't understand physics, how far, what, 
how far can you push these use cases and is it a compressed is it a sufficiently compressed version I, for your particular use case and I, that I that's still interesting that, we don't know i i, th I think that and, that's you're, you're you're spending too much time thinking about the embodiment because let, let's say it's it's uh it just needs to organize my day for me right just something this is i'm gonna say simple but that's definitely in bunny ears uh just needs to organize my day part of organizing my day is making sure that i get from point a to point b within the time frame that is allowed for me to get from there to there, right? That's a simple math function. That could be dropped off into a little tiny function that can handle these these little minute tasks. Uh, it needs to know the uh, the directions to and from, right? Well, okay, there's mapping software, so another function there. It needs to get my contact list to be able to call them and let them know that I'm going to be late sure. if I'm going to be late. Again, you know, you have open, uh, you have uh, access to, um, you know, Gmail or something, you can go scrape that information, pull it in. So all these discrete functions don't have to live within the LLM. The LLM just has to know how to invoke them. I don't think this is very far away. I think this is close. So it, again, it depends on your your criterion for success or not, right? And and so it, as that 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 narrow definition as an assistant and doing a lot of these things, you know, it's super useful. But I think I think getting to the point where it's a second brain, I think it could do it for all the. It won't be able to be necessarily and create net for things new. like chess and go. It's better than than our brain because yes. it because we never evolve to have that type I'm of not, intelligence. I'm not that sure tree based that RAM would be, but but uh, but at your point is valid. Um, they could be anyway. But uh, what I really just need, and I think most people just need, is someone to do their job for them. See that, and that's where, yeah. <laughs> and so that's, I don't need human level intelligence. Exactly. I need no, no, something no. way less. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, th and that's where, um, for those tasks, for sure, like it, that's, it's incredibly useful. And, and it's funny because I'll, you know, some people are like, it's cheating or I don't want that fancy stuff or I don't trust it, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I, I try to uh, just like, hey, we'll try it out. Tell me what you think. You know, so I, so I, I, uh, most people are into it. Those that aren't, you know, I advocate for it. I've, and and so, it's for my tasks. I actually ha I've haven't found it has not been as useful as I hoped. But but my tasks are weird, right? So so I'm wanting to. Um, you know, there's a large state space of AI for science, AI for greater good. Um, everything from like the open catalyst project, which is searching through when it comes to like 2d to 3d structures. So like genetics, biotechnology, uh, chemistry, molecular structures. Uh, there's a lot of really cool things that AI is good at and is doing. And, and those use cases, whenever I talk about some of the, these researchers like Yang Lacoon, Yasha Bengio and others, where are they finding, where does their ideas of AI architectures, human level, what does that look like, right? If it's not an LLM, what is it? And so a lot of those use cases you'll find are molecular, right, at, at the, the lower fun, level. It's and funny so, you say that because there was a project where if someone you, created like a bunch of different versions of different chemicals that could kill people like in an afternoon kind of thing. So, yeah. And so clearly there is some value there. But that's, so that, that I mean, is. If you a, think poison's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, um, that those, but they weren't LLMs, right? I so, don't think so, so it was, it's, the, it is uh, distributed representations. There's deep learning. There's stochastic gradient descent. There's a lot of these same things that look and feel similar because this is state of the art AI, machine learning, data science. Um, and, and so it's, it's really interesting that, 
you know, those are the areas in which not an LLM, but that potentially is where we're testing these ideas. Like, okay, what's next? If it's not an LLM, how the heck do we get to this path? Where's the evidence? Which direction are we going in? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it difficult? And so it, it's really exciting, but it's also um, x-ray crystallography, genetics, like it's not necessarily super consumable to the average person, right? Like what the hell am I looking at? How do you, what is, what is the molecular format for this database? And, you know, not to go back to like pandemic and COVID and basic immunology and stuff, but uh, so, so I, I think there's a lot more that we agree on in, in I'm sort of thinking of human level, larger sort of researchy consensus stuff. And you're talking about just the usefulness of this text assistant is off the charts. And, and I agree with you. It is very useful for the things that you're talking about for sure. But you know, in, in the, dis, the greater discussion about what's next, how can it, you know, my prediction is that the LLMs are not going to get that much better than they are currently. Um, and I could be completely wrong. I try to be a little well, bit but, less wrong, but they, uh, I mean, they have to, because they're already getting multimodal. So well, once, you, once you start so, interacting with other systems, it's going to get way better, more complicated, right. more interesting. Well, again, that's the, that's what we're bridging to a different, like we're, we're talking going from LLM transformer kind of architectures uh, to convolutional nets. And convolution is very interesting too. Like the, the as we are, like the, the Paul Allen Institute, right? The, the Brain and Neuroscience Institute that's, that's using FRMIs and getting ever more accurate representations of the brain we are seeing that sort of that back and forth between the chicken and the egg where convolutions are inspired by the visual cortex. And it's sort of like summaries of summaries, like intelligent feature-based summaries of summaries. And when you break down uh, object detection, hot dog, no hot dog, right? You have like simple shapes and then the combinations of shapes looks like a ear or a eye. Maybe that's a horse or it's like a, a part of a wheel or a hubcap. And then you're like, okay, that's a car. And so it it's we're at that point where I think um, LLMs the language part of it is will only be better because it is trained on the data. Just like when you update a database, you refresh. It's not because it's learning on its own like a human does. It's because it's been specialized for your particular vocabulary for yeah, your that, language. But that seems doable. Like that's just a local database nearby that right but take, takes in your graph database sure and processing it. but but part of the problem is that because it doesn't really understand reality and it's just statistical co-occurrence of words when you get to those use cases that deviates from what it's been trained on right and you're like i can't get this darn thing to like correct it of what its idea of paris and london is that's going to happen more and more and then you'll have to have sort of you know stop gaps duct tape like additional systems but that that is kind of how the human brain works. Like when you find out you're wrong, like yeah, you Pluto, can, you can Pluto, change it. Pluto isn't a planet. No, I'm still stuck. Well, with Pluto's a planet. So, but, but, but your notion of it's been like 20 years <laughs> fire, fire. We're going to, we're going to talk about plasma and okay. infusion in a bit. Okay. Uh, fire, right? Like there's different representations of fire and smoke. You can think of a nice Christmas, you know, fire, and then you can just see the visual on Netflix. You can smell smoke at that visual. It's nice. You wake up in the middle of the night with smoke. It's very different. If you can uh, hear the crackle of it, um, you could, and, and it's nice, and, and you can um, feel the heat too much, too little, uh, different kinds of heat. And, and so as what we think of one way that the, the, and, and I'm, I'm trying not to get too much into like probability and statistics and old school, you know, um, 
Where we need to go. AI. <laughs> but there's these notions of world views, world models, where you're, and it's so fascinating the way the brain works, as far as we understand, right? Like there's so much information distributed and stored, but it's all spread apart in different paths, different firings. And so depending on the, the notion of fire is not just a co-occurrence of discrete syllables and tokens. It depends on how that idea of fire is embedded and then also related in sight, sound, sensory, visual, emotions, etc. And you, of course, but you, but you can say all that to an LLM, and it'll, you can, but it doesn't have the same. The embodiment is important. The embody, at least I, abstracting I, I, the, I the abstraction of the embodiment, and and in, in yes. some ways, but that's where multimodal becomes very handy, right? Yeah, multimodal is huge. Multimodal is a great word. You, we all, I think everyone knows what multimodal is. Maybe and so, not. It might be worth explaining. Go for it. Um, well, the way I understand it is uh, two or more methods of retrieving data and combining them into something. So it could be, uh, uh, it could speak to you, for instance, or it could, you know, take a photograph of you or watch some video, or it could comment on something you uploaded and give you some feedback on it, or it could produce a, a video or something. So I think of it as, and I'm, I'm butchering a definition of it because I don't necessarily. No, it's think, good. <clears throat> You're it's right. Necessarily a great way to define it exactly, but it's just where there's multiple pathways to getting data in and out of the system, right? Yeah. So sight, sound, smell, which we've never mastered in any system that I've ever heard of. Uh, taste, you know, these are very weird things that embodiment really would require. You would have to have true embodiment to get there. Um, and touch, I think, is another really super super complicated one, but sight. I think we kind of have that one pretty close to nailed. I mean, it's not there, but it's really close. We've done a lot of work on a lot of different things, and we now know approximately what a cat or a table look like or whatever. We're, we're getting real close on that one. Well, so the, that, that was a great explanation. Oh, Ooh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so multimodal in the simplest sense is, is correct. What is the type? What is the mode of the data? Is it force sensor is it text is it audio recorded speech is it vision is it images uh and then of course you can get into like is it thermal and and you know we only sense and perceive so much um it is still developing my magnetic spidey sense not quite there yet i'm trying to <laughs> work, work on uh, just gonna implant a I magnet can, in your finger I can feel it feel it um well, 42 is the answer. Actually, one, one quick point is uh, we the humans also, this is another one I have to keep up, upgrading my brain every single time it comes up. We don't have five senses. We have something like, I forget, like 20 senses, like sense of balance and sense of being full and sense of, you know, being dizzy. and Of purpose. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, Burden with glorious but, purpose. But, uh, but I don't... Or humor, sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think... Uh, I don't think that matters most of the time for most tasks. Yes, it matters if you're going to be human because you don't want to fall downstairs and you want to make sure you have enough food in you or and you don't overeat so you don't throw up, right? So there's reasons as a human that matters. But most of the time, like, my copy machine doesn't need to know any of that stuff to be able to copy, you know what I mean? Like, it's a rote, discrete function. It can just copy and then that's all it and it's great. It does it perfectly every single time until it jams and doesn't work. <laughs> well, it, this is another, uh, we mentioned it briefly, but another notion of, um, it, it, and whenever you've been in this field for a while, like a lot of these architectures, like 
so-and-so's version of AI, so-and-so's version of AI, right? Like, like they start looking similar. And, but we have the idea of objectives and agency and attention allocation. So, so there's these sort of like sub-processes running where when you're sleeping, right, like you're, you shut down even though your brain's active, unless you have like a, a sleep disorder, right, and um, you're, you get act, move around and stuff. But there's the, the LLMs, like a database, it's just a re- memory retrieval, right, from one perspective. So it doesn't have the worldview, the agency, that subconscious drive. It's no, la- but, it doesn't but, have an objective. But you can push that into it. You could say... Yeah, but that's your objective. It's not from the system itself. True. Okay, that's... And this is... An, by the way, we, we, there's so many great things to talk about. We could say that for future that's, podcasts. Wait, hold Abe's, on. So, okay, that is a very good point. All right. But my objectives, I really don't want an AGI to have its own objectives. I mean, unless I've programmed those objective, objectives in, right? Like, I want you to assemble tables all day. That's a great thing for an AGI to go handle if it doesn't, you know, get sad and get bored and then want to go do other things. Like, that's, I, I have humans for that. <laughs> you you don't want to go full ex machina? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just not useful for most tasks. Like, most tasks, I need you just to just assemble tables all day and just that's that's it. Um but without an objective, it cannot plan. Yeah, but so I can give it an objective. I could tell you, like, here's what a table looks like. Here's the, here's how to put it all together. Here's the order in which to do it. And here's the tools you're going to need and go ahead. If it, if it was embodied enough to put that stuff together, that's super duper useful. It cuts down on labor costs and, you know, potential for lawsuits and all kinds of stuff downstream. I mean, that's, that's, that's where everything's going. But if, if you... Uh, so Tesla bot's making a lot of progress, right? And isn't, Tesla's not the only one. There are others coming out. Yeah. And, uh, but, they, but they have a more, they have more AI built into their system from what I understand. Like it's, uh, it is not a bunch of, people aren't programming it to open its hands. They're programming uh, hand-like gestures and it's, it's, it's tr- truly an AI. As yeah. Well, and, and so you, you've mentioned that too, and that that's where you go from, you don't want to have to tell it everything to do. You want it to figure it out on its own. And so it, it and one of the interesting things too, that from the Ross uh, conference is there's still um, like, like a hu- like a cat, human dog may fly. They can adapt and calibrate to the physics of the world, right? Very agilely. And with all the advancements and, it, and it's going from that um, robotic space, like a six axis arm, right? Um, where, you do inverse kinematics, so it's like complicated because you don't really know where each joint is, and there's a like there's you move it and it's here and there. You have a sensor in position. Whereas if you could just do like pose estimation, right, like of a video, and that way you don't need an expensive programmer to come in and calibrate, etc. And you just just like a human does, right? It has a sense of where it's at and it can see where it's at. Um, well, but humans can't always do that, right? There's a test where if you put up a wall and you have a fake hand, right, and you can't. Like they smack the fake hand, you're like, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and, and, um, so what, what's interesting is that as far as we've come, it's still hard to have a robot clean your house and make you coffee without screwing up. In fact, most of the samples, Tesla, Boston, uh, dynamics and others, they're very curated, very cherry picked, you know, like the robot, you know, it's like how to survive a robot uprising. Mm-hmm. Go up one flight, go up like two steps. <laughs> <laughs> Roomba can't get you. And, and so that's where, again, you know, we agree on a lot. And, and so when I, my understanding of intelligence is beyond the statistical co-occurrence of words and autoregressive LLMs, right? 
super useful for pretty much all the ta- many of the tasks you've mentioned, right? You know, and but we're still as far as we are. It was the first time that Nvidia and their Isaac platform um, officially like integrated with with Ross and is now doing more of the pose estimation instead of inverse kinematics. Now these have been around in research for a while, but there's still like the best, all the money that Boston Dynamics, Tesla, NVIDIA, and these companies have, the robots are still, have a long ways to go. And and it's because we, we it is lacking that embodiment. And we're, we're missing components to AI. Now, there's still a lot of opportunities to make it better. Again, like with the pose estimation. And you know what's, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm just unaware of it. There's so many things I don't know. But right now, uh, and, and not just pose estimation, but a pose estimation or a uh, sentiment interpretation, audio visual of, of your cats, mm-hmm. right? Like why is there not an app to listen to mammals, cats, horses, dogs, pigs? And that, that and, would be so a, fascinating. And a basic force, uh, force sensors on the, on the appendages. So it can tell if it's petting it softly or not. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, that's, uh, I think, I think, it's not going to take very much to embody stuff. It really won't. It just won't embody in all of the, whatever it was, 20 different uh, senses of embodiment. But I don't think you need all of those. I think you just need really probably three or four of them to get it good. You need, you really need to understand what people are yelling at you. Stop, stop, stop. Don't run. You know, you're about to kill somebody or something. Yeah. That'd be useful. You need to be able to see what's going on. That'd be really useful. You need to be able to tell if you're about to crush someone's hand. That'd be pretty, pretty useful kind of thing. Um, Beyond that, and and ability ability to speak, but, even, but that's an output thing, that's right? Like, but even like, what is the concept of me and them in hand and not hand? And you know, like an ambulance robot, right? Like it sounds simple to program it to be safe and to do these things, but it, it doesn't take much to create problems, yeah. And especially in the state space reality, which you know, not to go into too many tangents, but one of the interesting notions and kind of information theory is that language is incredibly discrete, incredibly organized. You know, we're it's, the, the millennia of human knowledge, right, is represented in language, you know, and AI is sort of, it's a, it's a great low-hanging fruit, right? LM is low-hanging fruit. And to have these ideas, because we don't know these ideas, it's exciting. There's so much we don't know. What, where are the, like, the laws of physics? Where are the laws of intelligence and consciousness and planning and reasoning and inference and automated self-supervised learning? It, we don't have that yet, where the babies the cats the dogs they can just observe the world and they have that we pick so much up from object permanence moving things the simple things you know it's not a video game where you just you know go through the barrier Mm because the video game doesn't really understand and that's where it's kind of exciting because we we have sufficient barriers that the that's why another reason i'm i'm not worried about the ai um becoming sentient and and um it's less risky that it's going to decide on its own. It has the power and capability to decide on its own to do something bad. Now, yeah, of course, but, it's a tool. But but uh, but bad actors could easily program it to do bad things. Sure, but but like it's only so we're eighteen months into ChatGPT, right? And and so where are you probably know better than I do, and I haven't seen too many examples yet of all this mount of evidence, like all the bad stuff AI is quote unquote doing. You know, there are it's like there's happening. Are, it, it, no, it is, but yeah. but it's still my. And again, I'm a calculated optimist. I think there's way more good that's going to come from having. You know, like it's nice to 
not be the smartest person in the room. Like, I love it when I'm around people smarter than me, right? I love hanging out with you and Miss James a lot. And, you know, we have a lot of smart friends. We're lucky. And AI is like, is a, in my opinion, is another, the not currently necessarily, but mm -hmm. in the future. Um, well, I mean, it is currently in like the senses that you've, that you've uh, described it, you know, where, where you can, like, I'm not a chess expert. I loved, that was one actually one of my favorite use cases in my world um, was was using it for chess and holidays and board games and to take a quick snap, quick photo, multimodal. And and so that that's where, as we move forward, I'm excited because I think there's a lot more good than bad and the AI can be this wonderful team. Like, what would you do if you had Star Trek-like resources? If you had your own research institute? If you were a director, king, queen, you could do anything you want. Now, and I ask people this question often, um, for years, way before what's happening to AI, like, what would you do if you could do anything? You know, no, no wrong answer, no limit. And I feel like we don't ask ourselves that question often enough when we do have, yeah, there, there is job displacement that's happening. You know, we are, it's happening sooner than we thought. Um, but the potential long term, you know, it sucks if you are a driver, right, and you get replaced. Um, it sucks that if you are, like, what's happening in Hollywood, right? Like, I don't think LLMs can replace writers, you don't <clears throat> what this is a longer discussion they can they you can reduce the number of writers on your team absolutely that's replacing writers isn't it um but not 100 percent of a writer's function right sure. and but but from a lot of executives and others you know it's just it's like the, the economics of our world capitalism free market is you know do, does not always uh not against it but it doesn't always garner what is necessarily best quote unquote to, for the maximum amount of happiness and the reduction of suffering for the planet, plants, humans, flowers, flowers, trees. And so, of course, it's another discussion about um, generalizable, systematic, recursive ethics. Like, how do you, how, what is the meaning of ethics and good? Like, like, okay, how would you quantify or measure when AI is doing good or bad, um, whether it's a Tesla car or it's a targeting system? And, and, well, and, and there's a lot of existing guardrails we have in place that AI. So, so can help I, with. I think this is actually a nice dovetail. Uh, so, sorry, ch 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 no, no, hold on. I'm being tangent again. <laughs> you, you, you are, but I think it's it's okay because um, there's a lot of tangents in this topic. So, uh, Q star Q with a, mm. the star um, on the keyboard. I think it's Shift eight or whatever Shift eight Shift nine something like that. Um, I should probably know Shift eight. Good, that was a good guess. Um, and um, it, it's supposedly possibly uh, a shorthand for STAR, which is a research paper that Google put out, uh, which is a self-trained reasoner. And oh, is this for the the uh, Q Star Chat GPT OpenAI mm -hmm. supposed secret ish super secret uh, special sauce? So uh, Google's paper is pretty telling. It, it's basically like there's a question. It's like um, what would you put in uh, what would you place some vegetables in when you're in a grocery store? So like one of the answers is a bag. One of them's, you know, a house, one of them's an airplane, one of them's a street, right? You're going to, you're going to place it in the bag is the right answer. But it, so that's the answer. Yes. But then you have to explain why it's the answer. So the LLM retroactively goes back and says, why is this the case? And then it double checks and says, yep, you got the right answer. So probably your rationale for why that was the correct answer is a good rationale. So it's synthetically learning and also coming up with rationales for all of its decision making. So it's it's not text prediction. <laughs> that is not what that is. Uh, I think 
that, that kind of drives me crazy. Like it, it's something way, way, way beyond text prediction. It's creating a lot of synthetic data very rapidly on its own. And, um, that could be the difference between something being like marginally useful and being extraordinarily useful. If it's able to explain its process and it's accurate in the explanation and the data it is producing, it is very incestuous data, which is the thing I don't like about it. You know, it's this enormous amount of incestuous data. So instead of it, you know, having another Wikipedia creates its own effectively off the data, but it still gives it way better performance apparently uh, in Google's tests uh, within this paper. So first of all, what do you think of synthetic data? I think that's probably a big topic in of itself. And then what do you, have you heard anything about this? Yeah. Star or? Yeah. So, so, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to QSTAR. Like Q learning um, yeah. is a is a common technique, and I don't. I think this is different than uh, Q learning, um, which. And just you know, sort of stepping back from a second, when you start looking at a lot of these systems, like what the heck, beyond a neural network, um, whenever we have actions and plans, you know, like what's the next move, right? The current kind of planning, uh, you you have these sort of flow charts, these graphs. And you sprinkle timestamps and you sprinkle probabilities. So you have what's the ch- what's the chance of it going here? What's the reward function? What's the risk? And in some of these, but of course, each time you add another valuable of a, a variable to your state space, it starts blowing up. And it's like, oh, well, we can put a pin and represent all these things in reality. And like, okay, like this thing is never going to compute. You know, just brute forced into a dark hole. So it's. When it, I'm not familiar exactly what OpenAI is doing. Um, I don't think anyone is it's speculative, <laughs> but, and, it, but it's interesting to speculate. Um, and again, OpenAI's play. Um, you know, Ilya Sutskever worked on AlexNet and and with Jeffrey Hinton, and you know he was just an incredible uh, engineer and curator. Like he he made that stuff work, right? And so, but but I do think that. Um, there's more than engineering needed and just knowing how open AI does stuff. They're kind of like corporate ish engineering ish, which is not bad. Uh, that's just their approach. Right. Um, versus like young lacoon and Facebook, you know, fair AI research lab. Uh, and you know, they're really, they, you know, came out with PyTorch and llama and, and, and uh, Dino and a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Um, and they're some of their joint embeddings. Um, if anyone's out there, Check out uh, Jan LeCun's paper on uh, JEPA, Joint Embedded Architectures. And um, it's only like 65 to 70 pages. Very small. <laughs> very small. And Yashua Bengio's paper, uh, a little bit older, like maybe two years now, uh, GFlow Nets. Uh, GFlow Nets um, are kind of like Markov's decision processes. Markov, this Russian mathematician. And, and a Markov chain is a way that you just sort of represent state spaces of reality with timestamps and probabilities in between. And it sounds really complicated, but when you start getting into it, um, it's actually not, it's not too bad. I mean, Markov and, chains were the precursor to most spam uh, that was being produced back, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it's a probabilistic flowchart, right, with timestamps. You know, and and uh, I mean, th- there's more to it than that, but when you get, you start reading some of these like, Oh my God, 72 page paper. And there's like, Oh, like, well, if I just add in these probabilities and then th- there is a beautiful philosophy behind, um, G flow nets. And it's mostly around the inference and reasoning part. And, and again, we're, we're still far away from like multi-time space planning, like 
like how do we plan out this small long-term task and, and that's one of the amazing things that the brain does like we can but not without years of practice i mean yeah I think, sure i think we're jumping to the end but we didn't start you didn't start being able to do that you started barely being able to open your eyes correct but there is something in our dna that you can take a human and stick them out in the middle of nowhere by themselves and they will to some degree adapt and calibrate to their environment you know Only there's evolution years and years and years of practice but they still have a way to and at most least people still wouldn't be able to survive you know, very long <laughs> to uh it, there's still a way for not just humans right like lots lots of creatures and so this is really interesting right you know not all creatures have language so how does an llm work for you know uh, a mammal that doesn't have a language right or octopi right like cephalopods um they 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 as soon as they're born they're on their own right and so um i love scuba diving i love nature some of my favorite trips have been in nature and um it, so anyways more 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 tangents but so the the around what's what open ai is doing next with qstar my guess is um it's probably just going to be more engineering of a uh with reasoning probably some type some version of a markov decision process maybe i don't know mm. If that makes sense. What do you think of uh, using synthetic data? Ah, so synthetic data. It's that uh, synthetic data, um, depending on what you mean by that, or data augmentation is super important. And so that's actually, uh, it's been around forever, right? Like, And as we move more into machine learning, um, whether it's gradient descent, map rat propagation, or even just uh, a simple clustering algorithm, um, categorization, clustering, hot dog, no hot dog, uh, it's super important and valuable and it's my opinion could be wrong and not, not only is it important and valuable but understanding what kind of representations come out of that so for example uh, a classic way to if you don't have enough data i mean in, in, in some ways in our own mind we do that right like we, we we can think of different projections of reality and predict different things you know what's happening consciously and subconsciously to make a decision and we do it at night right in the morning we go to sleep wake up we can think forward like oh i should turn now or take a left take a right so we have this inch very fascinating um we take in the crazy infinite state space, the continuous stochastic noisy data of the world, and then we make a discrete decision. We have a discrete feeling. It's a dog or a cat. Uh, we turn left, we turn right, hot dog, no hot dog. And so when you're looking at machine learning, whether it's a classic old school or even like new complicated um, watching YouTube videos to figure out about the world, like that's that's part of what some people propose to get closer to strong AI, human level AI is that we have, we use YouTube to train the AI because YouTube has embedded with it beyond LLMs. There's physics. There's a lot of, a lot of things happening. And that, that complication between it's not just where the pixels are, but what am I looking at? What's happening? Who's in the scene? What's the feeling? Is it a movie? Is it a car? Is it a flame? And, that those systems that are looking at the YouTube data or just videos or a series of images over time, the way that almost all of them at some degree in the past and probably will be trained in the future involves synthetic data, involves augmentation. And so, for example, like in an image, if you've done Photoshop, like that's kind of an easy way to do it. It's not sufficient, 
but it is a good way to at least test your system, see what's working, see what's not working. So you blur, you can go into the pixel space and blur things and, and, and rotate and crop. And that way, like when you change an angle, right? Like a human can be like, yeah, it's still my dad or that's still that terrible photo of me <laughs> again. <laughs> Man, I'm getting but old. Now it's in black and white. <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, for example, you know, huge, huge, right? And security is, is uh, facial recognition, you know, and, and the, a lot of the best systems in the early days, some of the consulting I did, I was like, man, all they really did was forced like a really like good condition. So they got nice, clean data and photo. So, so synthetic data and data augmentation has been, and is actually a huge, my opinion is a huge part of what we need next, um, to help train these systems beyond like what happens whenever you reach the end of YouTube or you're looking for something very specific it's easier to make the synthetic data or even just creating that synthetic data. And if it's a crappy representation, if the synthetic data isn't working, can you at least then look at the synthetic data versus the real world YouTube video? And then from those two get a, a sort of scientific method in which direction to go with how you're building your system. If this, if that answers your question. Yeah, I think so. Data, data augmentation is kind of another popular buzzword in research. And it's, it's really important. I, I but also it, wor- it worries me a lot because it's, it's sort so of like we're just going to say, cause we're getting into like deep fakes and <laughs> well, I mean, God, I mean, it's like, I, I'm more worried about the click button nudify. It's like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's certainly a problem. Uh, well, you know, or not, who knows? Yeah. You know, I could, I can imagine it as well. Is that, <laughs> is that also dangerous? Um, but the, um, I think what I mean by dangerous is, if we have something that's trained to look at stuff and then we give it something that looks just like the stuff, it's like, wow, it does such a good job. Well, no shit. (laughs) No shit. It's just like you're, you're, you changed a couple pixels or you removed the watermark or you made it slightly bigger, smaller, change the color. Yeah. But, but if it's like a totally different looking human being, you know, if they're an African American and you, you totally misclassified them, what's the, the classic Google example, right? Um, classify them as a gorilla or whatever they were, you know, that, that is, that is a big problem. You know, that, that is not, you cannot synthetic data your way out of that problem. You have to, you actually have to look at real data and classify it properly. And so that's, I'm not sure how to solve that problem exactly. And I think that's, that's why people kind of shortcut and like, ah, synthetic data, it's close enough. You know, one of my favorite things about you as a friend in this conversation is, is, um, the, what we think of in sort of, uh, the, like when we say these words, synthetic data, data augmentation in the, the parlance of like regular every day, um, you're certainly not regular, you're brilliant, you're doing a lot of cool stuff, but it's, it's even, I'm, I'm adjusting my own world model as, uh, we talk about synthetic data, data augmentation, trying to break down the researchy kind of boring stuff and, um, it's, it's interesting, you know, I know that, but even I am even subject to my own biases cause I'm just reading like research papers all day long. And, mm-hmm. and, and so lately I've been like, oh yeah, all this data augmentation, synthetic data, we can do like a diff or a comparison. And it's a big part of, of some of my work and, and especially like with, with fusion and plasma, it's like incredibly complicated to figure out what this plasma in the real world is doing. Like, how can I abstract represent and shorten it but the the in the deep fake not deep fake detection like 
I am surprised there's not um, more problems with that just yet, or at least we're just, it's there, we're just not aware of it. And that's, I mean, and, and that's something a lot of people can relate but to, right? I don't right? think you even really hardly need to do that anymore because you can create your own artificial character so fast. Why bother with an exact match on a Hollywood starlet? It, it, exactly. Well, so, or perhaps more just um, like, you know, security, right? Like faking voices and, that, and people that aren't ready for it. You that know, is, that is a real thing. And it's like, not happening. just the voice, but, but understanding like having an AI, an effective AI crawl bot to be like, simulate the person yeah, like Adobe, what would they say and do or even predict people's passwords adobe you know? was uh was flirting with releasing it i don't know if i don't think they ever did of releasing an audio uh it could it could absolutely mimic real human speech and uh of any character it wants and any accident wants and all kinds of stuff and i'm like this is a very cool tool i cannot believe they're gonna publish this thing but it's gonna be fun when they have it and they i don't think they ever did actually put it out. it was just like a research they did some presentation about it but but I think that if have you used any if, of the if, Adobe stuff? I haven't used the, any of the Adobe tools. Uh, yes. I've seen the advertisements where you can just yes. like I have. You I can have. like put your photo and mm-hmm. yeah, swipe it, magic wand an entirely different realistic scene. It, it totally does work. Um, it's it's cool. It is. I would say sometimes it's cool. It doesn't really like anything. It's got its own censorship bias and its own things that it's trying to prevent you from doing, which seems very odd. You, you to can't me. do lemon party with it. Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. But you can't even do lemon like, trees, lemon like trees, two people running uh, in bathing suits on the beach. It's like, whoa, whoa, bathing suits. Whoa. It's like, come on. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's a, uh, it'll try to, to make it do a thing that it really wants to do. And so that it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it other than the, the gradient is is more like a spike and not less of mm-hmm. a gradient. It doesn't really like... You, you can feel that corporate legal team. Yeah. Do, it, it, like with a lot of sure things doing can. its thing. Sure can. See, like, oh, you can just imagine all the, the meetings they had, lawyers, like what to do and what not to do. So actually, you're, you're a perfectly good person to be talking about this with. Uh, so I went to the White House and I told them nice. that this was a... Terrible, of course you did. Of course you did. No um, big deal. I, went, I, t- I basically told them I think I'm the only person in the entire world who's said, uh, have sex with kittens. That specific set of words <laughs> in the White House. Because I was talking about, like, let's say you had a, a video game. And the video game was, um, you know, just, you know, a cute kitten video game. And all you could do is pet the kittens and feed the kittens and, pet, you know, and, you know, give them water and that's it, right? That's just, you know, be nice to the kittens, right? And, but I'm a terrible person and I want to hurt the kittens and, you know, punish the kittens and kill the kittens and eat the kittens and whatever, have sex with the kittens. There you go. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, so what's going to happen is if, if I'm that kind of person who wants to do all those terrible things, what I'm going to end up doing is copying that video game as close as I can and making my own or, or, you know, uh, uncensored version of it. So I can do all the terrible things to the kittens. And, uh, and they're kind of fighting me on this. They're like, no, no one will ever do that. Who would ever do that? I'm like, all of the <laughs> bad guys, every one of them. And if we're not talking about the bad guys, why are we even here? You know what I mean? And they totally ignored what I was saying, which is not surprising. Um, that I think right there kind of sums why sums up why I think censorship is a very dangerous thing. But it's it's dangerous, not just in the you lose visibility of the bad guy, which I think is you know if you're if you're going to try to stop bad guys, you should probably know what they're doing. But anyway, uh, even if you remove that, let's say I'm like a reporter or something. It's like, well, I can't tell you about that fact because it's somehow racist, I've decided. Or, you know, here, um, here's somebody like some, 
you know, civic planning thing. Like, oh, you can't talk about this this neighborhood being better than this other neighborhood. Like, but statistically, it's better in every dimension. No, no, no. Uh, that's due to cultural biases. And it's like, well, I don't. What are you talking about? I can't. It won't do the analysis. You know what I mean? It'll stop you from understanding the way the world works because of some arbitrary ethics someone put somewhere. I think that is, it's it's the closest thing to lobotomization as I can possibly come up with. If, if you suddenly removed someone's ability to think about sex, you've just removed a huge chunk. It's, it's inhumane. It really is inhumane to remove that chunk of the way it thinks. Now you can have censorship on top of that. Like, but the first thing, the thing it thinks about, it's gotta be is free flowing and whatever is the actual right answer is possible. Then you can add metacognition on, on top of it. In the same way, system one, I think I'm going to do something terrible to this guy at the bar. Like he's like a real jerk. But then in system two goes, uh, you really don't want to do this. You don't want to end up in jail tonight. You know what I mean? Like if you're not thinking about all the probabilities and possibilities, you're going to make the wrong choice often. And I think it's really dangerous when you're talking about like doctors. It's like, well, you can't, can't talk about the person's, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. You, you have to treat all, all patients the same. No, <laughs> all patients are not the same. They're very unique and interesting and weird and you have to treat them holistically, but, but individually. Uh, now you can draw on all this analysis from all of these prior cases or whatever, but you really have to like, well, this person has done these horrible things to them and drugs are a real thing and you, and you have to take that into account. And this was a suicide attempt. That is a real thing that happens in the world. Yes, I realize the LLM is not allowed to talk about it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It's a huge part of who we are as people. Like, to me, this is not a minor point. This is this is the difference between it being useful and not useful for a huge amount of very important professions. Well, well, no, I agree. It is a major point, but that's all that does go back to the fact that it doesn't actually really understand. So it doesn't know, even though it understands these riskier subjects that are core to preventing suffering whether that's suicide abuse and otherwise uh preventing from getting in trouble and, and misrepresenting or offending people you know prejudice sexually or otherwise that's where you know it's kind of like a like it's better to have an in-depth defense policy of your entire organization and not just a better firewall rule set and so from one perspective you know those additional like stop gaps on top of the llm is sort of like more just firewall rule sets versus like fundamentally changing the model. Yeah, but uh, first of all, I don't think there should be any of those uh, unless you are a special snowflake and need to be protected from them for some reason. But, but there's also another point on computational psychology, which is a whole other fascinating realm, not to go to another tangent, but, but, okay. But, but back, back to this for a second, let's say I am, this is a totally benign function. I am a writer. I need to write about, Oh, I don't know all the things that thrillers are related to, you know, sex, crime, drugs, you know, terrorism, whatever. Are you really saying that you're just not going to do those things? Is that really a, a higher good? Like, I just don't think so. I don't think that that makes sense. Um, well, I'm not saying, you know, it just depends on the context, right? Like if it's, you know, if, if it's um, what's the purpose and goal and audience, but just like a human would, right? Like a human, most humans, right? It's not always a, an agreed upon thing. Um, if you're talking like in public or private to a child, to a grandparent, to someone that's with the, a disease. That's the metacognition yeah. on top. That's the firewalls. And metacognition. See, that's an interesting term. Uh, 
I'm actually less familiar with that term, metacognition. Is how would you? How I would define it in this context, which um, I think you could actually take it in many dimensions. And I don't want to talk about AGI specifically in this context. I'm just talking about this specific topic. If I just ask the question of the same LLM, does this contain any of these features? Does it contain things about sex or drugs or rock and roll or whatever the things that it doesn't like? Right? Then say, well, based on the filters that I haven't injected because I am sensitive about those things. Please don't show them to me. It's like, well, you said that you're not into talking about um, jokes about the Prophet Muhammad. So uh, I cannot give you a joke about the Prophet Muhammad. Great. It did did exactly what I wanted to do. But if I don't care about jokes about the Prophet Muhammad or I'm writing jokes about it and I need to uh, like riff off of ChatGPT because that's the jokes that I write, it's completely unusable. Like it's been lobotomized. If I'm going to be talking about sexual health of, you know, teenagers, it's like, well, teenagers don't have sex. What are you fucking talking about? Of course they do. <laughs> like, well, well, so it's also interesting. I'm just thinking uh, as well is, is, um, is this a Chelsea Handler or a Dave Chappelle, you know, motif transfer <laughs> LLMs that are fine tuned. You know, that's another fast, that's a whole other topic too, right? Like, the modality of what you have. So it's not just the filter, it's what you train it on too, yeah, right? For sure. and, and so can you tweak those weights, right? And and as we or fine tuning, like training from scratch is kind of hard, but yeah. fine tuning um is is becoming an ever more common thing. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not just that um firewall, but also uh the fine tuning and training. I mean we already have with. we already have this with like image search for instance in Google and uh Bing Sure. You want to search for something not safe for work, it's just one click away to turn off not right. safe for work, work but w- filters. But what's happening too, we are in one of the very useful things that's going to be, it's already happening, but we're still early days to some degree, are those fine-tuned models. So it's not just one chat GPT-4 that you're using, right? It's There are thousands of different versions, but there's an entire thing that's only trained on season one of Dave Chappelle. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? And so you can get very specific with that kind of of fine-tuned that's great. LLM. I mean, that's great. I mean, and, I think that and, serves a lot of and, utility, especially for second brain. If I upload all of my email, which I think, by the way, Microsoft is absolutely going to do this, just say, do you want to suck up all of your messages into LM? It might even be, be an option. They might just do it. Anything inside of Office 365, just it's all sucked in. It's all trained on your data. And now um, how do you want me to respond to this email? It says, I'll try. Clicks a button. It's like, yeah, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> that is in my voice. It's what I typically say to people in this kind of circumstance or what I say to this person, I always say like, good luck chief at the end of every email to this guy. It's like, oh, good luck chief. There it is. You know, I don't have to type all of those words out. So one example that I have on a daily basis where at some point in the early days of LMs got a little bit better, then it got worse. Um, I use lots of, silly language portmanteaus puns etc and what the llms will do is they will insert a word that's very close to what i want to use but it's not my intention because it's it's based upon the llm it's less my word and and so in the past some of the older versions it didn't have any suggestions it's like what the hell is this word silly rust dude type and stuff and so it's interesting. I actually have found the more recent versions of my text when I'm using it, you know, just going really fast or voice or typing. Um, I do use voice stuff now. I didn't use any voice in the past just for security stuff, but, you know, 
the uh, we all we all uh, here you go are. through conveniences. <laughs> and um, here you are. Here I am. I even signed up for the Tesla insurance. Uh, it's awesome. I, I it's it's better than I expected in the sense that well, one, it's a lot cheaper than regular car insurance, but you get a breakdown of exactly what you're doing. It's not great in traffic, but you can see uh, everything from like following too close, speeding, whatever. And so whenever um, I'm pretty safe driver, but it. I'm like, oh, this is going to cost me a dollar if I decide to do this thing. Does it actually have a little like, is it like ding ding? It, it, it <laughs> has uh, 15 scores that are weighted uh, metrics, and then it estimates each monthly your really premium hilarious. goes up and down. But what I guess part, it's funny because I talk about this all the time, but out of all the different ways, like, oh, this theory or this talk, like day to day, like I was driving here in, in, in traffic, and it doesn't like traffic. You know, it, I get dinged all the time. It's like, well, I'm in traffic. How can I not, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't have that much distance to the car in front of me because they pull in uh -huh. so it'll say oh you're falling too close but it's like what are you gonna do they just pull in right but uh -huh. but what's what's so interesting about it from one um i just underestimated that gamification day to day but it obviously is a huge privacy thing right like oh my gosh it gets everything i'm doing and and, and others have done that before like if you get uh, the little puck in cars but um i refuse yeah <laughs> i refuse it's uh i will say it's drive uh, a fast car i like to drive it fast <laughs> <laughs> I, I still have like terrible linkedin and, and not a lot of uh public stuff but i will say uh it's using voice it's convenient um finally broke broke that uh through that privacy barrier like having my voice recorded in the cloud and the Tesla tracking stuff; those two have been super convenient. So and, so far, I feel good about it. And good. this, and oh yeah, I mean, and well, your obviously, <laughs> hours and hours of your likeness and your voice. But that's another, you know, that's another kind of benefit of AI too, where I f like the, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have stock and stuff, but I'm not not officially advocating Tesla. But it's so interesting where the technology and good engineering, right? Like a lot of the world, we have the science, but. Now, AI, we're missing a lot of philosophy. We're missing some of the science. But in fusion and so many aspects of the world, we it's just a limit of good engineers. Like, that's the limiting factor for many things. Uh, as well as people willing to try new things. You know, like, so Tesla's approach to just, like, no car dealerships. You know, car dealerships, insurance, phone companies, right? It's not always, it doesn't always feel like an equitable, awesome, ethical, you know, uh, modern or, you know, first world corporate experience sometimes you're like, I, they can't even explain these charges to you. But with AI and a little bit of privacy invasion, <laughs> um, <laughs> or at least some machine learning, AI might be a strong term in this case. Uh, it, it's, it's nice to see that, that little pieces of the future of, of a bit more fairness perhaps coming down, but you know, it, it's, everything's a trade-off, right? Interesting. All right, let's uh let's change the topic a little bit. I want to talk about uh, legality. Um, there's much to me telling White House not to do this. They went ahead and did it. They put a they put this paper out, and they have all kinds of things that they want to try to get in front of in terms of what LMs are going to be able to do and what companies have to do to make them equitable and all this stuff. Um, so my position comes down pretty squarely in the I don't think. This should be legislated. Um, I just don't think, for for a wide variety of reasons, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it works. Uh, I think it actually, if anything, is counterproductive, especially from a national security perspective. And um, we need all hands on deck, and it actually creates moats as opposed to making it more open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 
before we get into all of my theories, how about we talk about you? What do you What do you think? Should we have AI regulation? Is this a good thing for the AI universe or the rest or the population? One of OpenAI's uh, thing on their website, um, I think I just talked about this the other day, is um, uh, we are trying to serve all humanity, like AGI for all of humanity or something. I'm like, all of humanity? Really? All 7.8 billion people? There's zero-sum games, and you're going to solve every single one of those zero-sum games? Like, what What do you think? Well, it's, so actually, I, I would I would love to hear more of uh, your opinion on the subject. But with the the, it depends on the legislation, right? So there there are Europe is moving ahead. Um, you know, they've always been pretty good, like with GDPR in terms of good is in the sense that they are um, trying to do the right thing. Sometimes it you know too many rules. It's a balance, very opinionated, very subjective, right? I think and I think then, it put them at least five to ten years behind in the business world in many ways. And then GDPR in particular. Yeah. And, and so the, um, then there's the AI bill of rights is I think the more recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will say generally speaking, when I looked at some of the panels and the people speaking, you know, um, I won't mention too many specific names, but a lot of, I just felt like, um, it was not a balanced panel. It was a lot of sort of corporate ish interest, uh, for better or worse. And and of course, these things have been around for a long time. Like there have been um, different efforts from different people going back to some of the stuff the United Nations was doing. And then specifically, again, like Yong Lacoon and, and uh, with his work in the past and some of the people he brought together years ago and Yasha Bengio and Mila. And, and so like th- there, there are then these statements. And it's interesting, too, because I don't... Um, as long as... A, there, there's so many aspects to it, but a lot of the current regulations and rules around like, you know, car safety, uh, privacy, um, that AI falls within existing regulations. And so when we're talking about AI specific, a lot of times I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need that to have fairness, like fairness, equality and all that is really important. I think, I think capitalism will force it anyway, but it, but it's, but the ones that limit open source, and there's like, well, any model this size cannot be released to the public. I'm against that type of regulation. I think open source 100%. is so important. And, 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 and I would suggest that if we look at... Um, Especially if you want equity and inclusion, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you actually want that, well, enough, you should have everybody working on the problem, not just a handful of researchers in an ivory tower. When I was in computer science at UT Austin in the late 90s, uh, it was my first time to use Linux. It's like, this is awesome. Right. And, and most of the world had no idea what Linux was. Right. It was like Microsoft Windows and, and Apple. And I've, we've seen like time and time again where companies or organizations tried to go closed and open source one. Especially, you, you know, just a little bit about mm-hmm. web tools and open oh, yeah. source web yeah. engines. Just just yep. a little bit. Been, just a little bit. Been around. <laughs> <laughs> For, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know, I, I love your. Um, yeah, you've done a lot of cool stuff. So, so the the I would argue that the openness is super important, and that whoever is regulating, legislating, and creating rules at small, medium, big levels, that's important to include academia and open source, and that's one of the only ways that we can do it. And it's not just a U.S. problem, right? Like Europe and places in the world doesn't necess- doesn't necessarily want something that's making court decisions, car driving decisions, life and death decisions, that is just coming from a handful of companies in the west coast of the United States. Right. 
and and, and 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 a lot of I guess what a lot of things we're talking about in some ways it's it's nothing most of it's not quite that new we've dealt with these issues before AI is a slightly different twist and the you know how much of the regulation needs to be AI specific or how much does it fall into existing rules got to watch that uh, boron fusion fuel pellet <laughs> but in, we'll in, in so so these my answers are probably boring and more generalized but that's that's my sort of framework. Openness is important. We don't need in an area that's already covered for fairness, equity, you know, advocacy. We don't necessarily need something just for AI. And I feel like some of it is uh, corporations taking advantage of like to further their moat, you know, their 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 monopolies. I mean, that's their goal, right? Whether they can say it or not. Um, and also politicians that don't understand trying to play catch up. Which is fine if, you know, a politician, you can't be an expert at everything, right? And most politicians, you know, the, the amount of scientists in, pol in politics is shockingly little. I mean, it's still really bad. <laughs> I was in um, student government, well, actually, like, all the way, like, junior high, middle school, junior high, UT Austin. And I th at the time, I was one of the few, um, I think I was, like, the only computer scientist for a while. There wasn't too many. And, and even today, I was like, oh, surely it's going to get better. Uh, I think it will get better now since AI is a commodity and, you know, just that it's like, it's not just being a doctor and a lawyer. It's I like a know. computer scientist. Not but, unless, but unless you can shake some babies and kiss yeah. some hands. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, a, you know, a, a generalizable systematic answer that we still need more scientists and domain experts in reasoning Maybe. and that we shouldn't just jump into legislations for greedy and political reasons. And, and that's where s some of these plays, it feels like that is like, same story, different flavor. Whenever something new happens, right? Fear, uncertainty, doubt, power plays, and, and so, and, and especially around limiting models. You know, open the open the open source categorically. Generally speaking, I'm against closed sourcing AI. So, hmm. but but I would love to hear your your take on um, your conversations well, and all, some of the specific bills and rules. That's that's all. That's all good. Um, in fact, I, th I think I. I agree with 100% of everything you just said. Um, okay. Number one problem is, do you remember ITAR back when uh, crypto was like kind of very first a thing online where we had to actually worry about like RSA encryption? Do you remember all this? ITAR is still kind of weird. Yeah. But, but, but specifically there was this time in the nineties where um, like export re restrictions said you couldn't, re you couldn't move RSA encryption across the border. And um, so all these hackers, they started tattooing it on their bodies. You can still find these old uh, photos of these guys doing it. They tattoo the algorithm because it's short. You could get the whole thing down in like four lines, maybe even two. I think somebody got down into two lines. Isn't that crazy? <clears throat> it, was, it was actually pretty impressive. Um, but that's that's the beauty and elegance of a good teasing of a rule of, of information theory, exactly, right? Exactly. Well, it was a very short Perl script, you know. <laughs> So, so, so I Pearl. can't put chat GPT here. It wouldn't, wouldn't fit. You never know. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> once, once that was done, it was sort of like, well, of course it's going to go across the border and it's going to go across the border like faster than it would have if had you just left it alone. You know, it probably would have only been used in a handful of places, but now that you've basically told all the hackers in the world, you're not allowed to do this. They're like, well, I don't really know why it's important not to do it, but I'm going to do it like crazy. And so all of a sudden it's everywhere. It's, and maybe that actually sped up adoption in some weird way. <clears throat> but trying to keep LLMs 
only on American soil is ridiculous. That is, first of all, there's way too many spooks in the United States working for other countries. Secondly, it's already out there. We're already doing it. It already exists on all these little places. And we're, we're seeing researchers all over the world already working on this problem. Like, what are you talking about trying to limit it? It's too late. And even if you were able to limit just like one or two models or something, you're not going to limit all of them because all of them are being produced all over the place. And a lot of people aren't going to realize that their code is of accessible. Hackers are going to grab well, it. And well, and the actual stupid. LLM itself is uh, five years to decades after the idea, right? So, so meaning that the research papers are, is the real recipe. LLM is just what popularizes it for some. Yeah, sure, absolutely. absolutely. So, like, you're going to stop research? You know, it's it's yeah. silly. It's absolutely silly. Uh, so that that's probably my my first. It's sort of like. We've already tried this. It was laughably bad. It didn't work at all. And now RSA is everywhere, uh, which is probably a bad thing because it's not a very secure algorithm by today's standards. But um, what what are we talking about? Why are we revisiting this terribly, poorly thought through decision again? Why are we doing this all over again? We don't have to do this. So the second one is it creates um, oligopolies. Um, you know, the, basically the fangs of the world will suddenly have all of the power with all of the LMs and all of the small people doing all the, I would say the nuts and bolts of research won't be able to afford to do it period because the, the cost to get past that regulation to support all the things the government's going to want them to do. It's just not going to be accessible to the small time researcher. So you, you, you specifically will not be able to do this research anymore and, and publish it. You'll be able to do it in your lab and, quietly got to get lucky with that that good ebay auction on nvidia gpus right <laughs> but but you'll have to do it quietly you won't be able to release it at least not to the public you'll be able to release it to one of those companies because they'll be able to take it to market it's just it i don't see how that's helping anything if, if anything that's just stifling innovation and making it more difficult so that leads me to my next point is i think it it creates a landscape where you are now far less likely to attract talent into the United States. They're much more likely to want to go somewhere else where they're not inhibited by these bizarre rules that just don't really matter. And the only reason you might come to the United States is because, you know, the amenities of the United States or the, or maybe because you believe that the fangs have a bigger reach and you want your, your code to be out there further. But other than that, there's no upside. I mean, you're much better off living in pretty much any other country. Like, how is that helping well, the United States? And I'm glad you mentioned... security. Right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because like, you know, it's been popularized in Oppenheimer to some degree, but the notion of inclusivity of life, that the, you, one of the U.S.'s um, greatest ideals or greatest weapons or greatest defenses or greatest attributes has been, uh, you know, the, the uh, visa process, that we are open and willing to... Uh, take great people from anywhere in the world. Right? And and that's one of the, I still think that's still, you know, the diversity of attracting a meritocracy based upon talent, you know, to, to it's, we're all human. We're, we're subject to our, our prejudices. And that, that's something where it's shifting a bit. You know, the U S does not have the appeal that it used to. Well, and especially if you start putting these arbitrary constraints over people's jobs, like if, if you were like an oil worker or something and you want to go to the Gulf of you know Alaska or something and do some oil drilling and they're like, actually, you're going to have to do about 800 hours of work before you're allowed to drill oil. 
I'm like 800 hours. Why? Oh, it's new regulation coming down the pipe. Like the job's the same. Once you get there, it's all exactly the same, but we've just arbitrarily created this random hoop for you to jump through. It's like, I think I'm just going to go somewhere else. There's plenty of oil production companies elsewhere in the world. Like why would I spend so much time and effort to do it in the United States? It makes no sense. Go somewhere else. So the, you know, that's, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff. What's, what's interesting about AI is its relation to France. You know, a lot of the, uh, my favorite AI researchers are people that come are basically Parisian ish or the outskirts. And, you know, a, France is up and coming too. They've released Mistral and some other really interesting research and, uh, of course, classic like you know, Airbus and et cetera. But, you know, I, I have a lot of knowledge gaps on the state of the current the current regulation. The things they're passing now are like the so the Bill of Rights was passed like in October, right? The U.S. AI Bill of Rights. The the things in Europe that are being passed, they're still modifiable and don't yet have teeth. Am I incorrect? I mean, it's the direction that they're going. Um, it doesn't look awesome, but it's not too late to course correct on, on that until there's some actionable I, I am not as familiar with that enforcement I don't know but but it this I, is, I mean I could totally be wrong but that that's here, the last here, I saw here, and this is my conversation this conversation here is more about the future and less about today because I think we can course correct in a hundred different ways and sure but I see more people looking for more power I don't see them going hey actually if we're going to want to do this correctly we need to get out of the way and let the researchers do the right thing and the market will, in this case, find situations with, a, there's a couple of caveats here, and I think those are worth exploring, but with with a couple of caveats, the market will define, hey, actually, you're doing a bad job of sorting these pictures. This is actually a black person. This isn't, uh, you know, a monkey or whatever, whatever Google was doing. Or I don't want to pay 20 bucks for an app. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. Um, or it's just not worth $20 because it doesn't provide me $20 worth of incremental value for what it's doing. Actually, I feel that way very heavily about the uh, about image processing. I just don't think it's actually worth twenty bucks to me. I think it's okay, but it's not worth twenty dollars. Okay, you know. And I mean? we're dealing with the first to markets. There's just not right. a lot of options. Like even on right. on uh, the way here, uh, I was just looking at LLM AI and the Android app, you know, app store, and I was surprised to find it's still pretty limited. There's not a lot of options. Right. So if if you want to play around with some of the open source models, like the you and I use as quote unquote experts or tech people, uh, it's still not accessible to the public just yet. Yeah. it's And the token generation is slow and a bunch of other stuff. I have, I have played a little bit on the, on the phone as well, but um, I just, I just don't think people are taking this seriously. I think that they're kind of like, they're either fear mongering without like bothering to do the hard work of figuring out where the actual threat is. I think that's, it's the natural reaction to humanity or, or they're it's just new. politicking to give themselves more power or, you know, supply more power to their constituents because really there's almost nothing good that can come from this with a couple of caveats. And I think it's worth exploring those. So let, let's just do that now while I'm thinking about it. Number one is using it in, um, in criminal cases. That there it makes a lot of sense to say, well, no, you really do have to, this has to work in a certain way because you can't just say, oh, this is problem. This person will probably break out of jail and arbitrarily put them in jail for a million years or whatever. Mm, it's like minority port. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and they're already using it in this way, by the way. So I can, I can see why people are, you know, the hackles are, up. well, that's oh, so many good subjects, but the, the notion of computational psychology and behavior analysis and behavior prediction 
it's it's coming. It's it's been here to a degree, and it's coming. And, it, and it's and you're absolutely right. It is. It's a uh, the it's happening. It's happening already. Um, and and there's um, there's quite a bit of research on this topic, and I actually do think if the government is going to if if judges are going to use software to decide whether someone does get on parole or doesn't get on parole, it should probably work. You know what I mean? It should probably do the thing it's advertised to do. So I. So you wouldn't use an LLM for this? Uh, <laughs> but I thought it was good at everything. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know, no hallucinations, no no. Uh, no artificial biases coming from like 10,000 books written, you know, before slavery uh, was abolished. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff built into LLMs that it's maybe not so great, but, um, but I, I think if, if you start taking those kinds of caveats out, you start you stop talking about, uh, or another example, actually it's worth mentioning is um, software bill of materials. You, sh- you really should know where, all, if you're going to use it in military applications or government applications, you really should know where the data is coming from, who sorted it, mm. what the weights are, what the code says. Like th- that makes sense to me. But when you step out anywhere outside of government, all of that stuff starts sounding a lot worse. You know, like I don't want the government to get involved with what I do in my house about what I read, what I produce, what I write, you know, anything like that. That's not their job but they're treating it like I need to be monitored and taken care of or whatever. It's like, no, nope, I don't think so. I think you got that all backwards. By the way, just as a caveat or aside, um, so many of the conversations we have and ideas that we have, like, I'm like, Oh, surely people out there are doing that. And I'm surprised as I Google or search for red AI, red teaming uh, services, startups, companies for, uh, court cases and specific scenarios where you, how do you pull out forensically viable time stamped and irrefutable evidence from a distributed representation, stochastic representation? The answer you, is, you mean from, from uh, you where, don't. The, where the LLM got the data? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or where, where is it even at? Like how, how do you do a forensic report, a pen test report with evidence of, on, of where the data came from? Yeah. Or, or how did it make that inference decision at that time? Got it. And so, so actually, this is this is one of the very and few that's things. where it's hard. Like you, f- from an information theory, you can't really. It's not like you, a traditional database. You can statistically, you can. you can statistically contain it. No, no, no. You, but, you you can, and I know you know how. It just sucks. It would be an enormous cost to do it. What? Well, so, oh man, this is another good topic. You know, you could do it. Maybe we should do a startup on this very idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, I think there actually is one out of Europe that has uh, some sort of forensic. Uh, they know exactly how the data came about. Um, I, I forget how it works exactly, but but what I what I need is here's the input. Here was the model used, um, and you can keep a snapshot of the model, so it's always you know version five or whatever. Um, here's the data set it was trained on. It has not evolved. Right, it was it was this set of data at this time. This is what it looked like at the moment. Um, here are the weights that were chosen for whatever this situation was, and here's the output. That's that's great. That's like ninety nine percent of it right there. Y- yes, I mean, so in in that sense, just like you know, the state space of RAM and things change on a device when you pull things forensically, like from a disk or the RAM. Like right. you know, it depends on on the definition of your uh, forensic evidence, et cetera. But what, what, you know this too. The other interesting thing about a lot of, I, I think maybe misconception too, a lot about a lot of these things, 
it's not just rinse and repeat. You know, a lot of times when you're pen testing or you're, you're dealing with this case, you know, it's like a show and tell report. Like this exact scenario may have, hasn't happened as an expert. Here's my screenshots. Here's my logs, my evidence timestamps as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Forensically secure forensically secured logging on top of an LLM. Well, I've been saying this for a while. I think um, without blowing up the infinite state space of storage. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, but, so, and that's why so I'm saying. So that's where maybe legislation would be interesting. No. If you're FIPS certified. Get out of here with that. No. You know, what, what does that look Unless like? Unless you're working for Maybe not legislation, but certification. Sure. Yes. Fine. Great. Then it's a, uh, then what you're talking about is I opt into it. But for, if I'm doing this in my house, who cares? And I'm just sharing it with you or a handful of people or put it online for people to play around with. Who gives a crap? Like, it's just it's just fun thing that I created. Maybe I'm making a couple shekels off of it, hung my shingle out. That is absolutely not something the government should get involved with. They should not create new legislation for a guy like me trying to produce that. It just doesn't make sense. It creates artificial hurdles, makes it much harder. And by the way, it doesn't even work. It's not like it cha- It's not like it improves national security to have done that. It's not like we're like somehow safer now because the government has created some new rubber stamp of certification. But what I do like, and I, you know, I mentioned that before is that we have these conversations now so that by the time we get closer to more riskier AI and it is getting, Oh wow, this is more human. Like this could make its own decisions. This could be some of the paths of the fear and certainty and doubt that we have existential or otherwise alignment or otherwise. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm personally still tickled that we are years, if not decades, ahead of the the actual, you know, realization of that risk. Well, okay, um, but okay, so this is actually another one of my talking points about this issue. We are so far ahead of where the legislation is. Like AI has been around in some form or another for what, like twenty years? I mean, I I remember writing very, very, very early software to do image detection for breaking captures twenty years ago, almost whatever it was. It was a long, long time ago um, when I started the company, 2008, whatever that was. Yeah. OpenCV has been around for a while. Yeah. OpenCV is great. Um, I've used it in projects. I didn't know what it was called. I was just creating, you know, some sort of representation of what pixels were and and nearness and what that nearness must mean in this context. And I mean... Some canny edge detection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was... It was the thing it was and a year before that. I was doing some more research very similar to that using something kind of similar. This, what are we now? 2023 to the almost 2024. And we still, by the time this comes out, probably 2024, we still are just barely touching this legislation. They're just now deciding it's a problem. Like, it's it's so behind where the actual threats are. You know, it's it's just totally doesn't understand at all where the real attacks are coming from. And as you said earlier on, we already have laws for all the things you'd want to do that are bad anyway. So why are we creating new hurdles out of nowhere? That it's just it's it, this is coming from a place of ignorance, and it drives me crazy. Well, you speaking of ignorance, if you look at a lot of the mistakes that the um you know, I'm, I'm a fan of peace and love and, and all the good stuff, but I understand the nature of reality of, uh, of um, we are slaves to our emotions and our evolutionary psychology, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. More is more, but, but we still evolved. This wonderful meat computer and software that we all have has a lot in common, for better or worse. But if you look at the, the uh, you know, the Ukraine and Russia programs, right, and, and how the the ignorance around AI has hurt Russia, right? Like like the 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 kind of lower hanging fruit um, drone attacks and things, the sort of you know creative uses of drones against some of these older 
things where where they've it's you know it's important for these companies these governments these organizations to try to you know meet their objectives and goals and um, they've continuously kind of been behind in some ways and so it's yeah i I don't have the answers on the regulation but uh, you know it would be interesting um to see how fast it changes but i I, and you know this we can take it offline too we've got so many things to talk about but i'd be curious to see like what are the examples of the bad things happening um because of ai or llms right and 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 i'm not saying good or bad but probably bad there's some politicians are finally admitting i just wrote this whole bill from chat gpt and i didn't change it you know <laughs> well uh, i mean that's in that you know that that's, that's, that's somebody expected. that's somebody cheating on their job but that's um, you know i'm that's normal right everyone's plagiarizing and, and they, people have been doing that forever yeah, right that's, not, that's something you or maybe that they I'll leased the chat gpt and it was better I'll, I'll give you an example so there was some research that was just put out maybe uh, a little less than a month ago um, where some researchers were, it was it was a promotional video for some software that they were writing that basically uses an LM uh, to scrape uh, important negative sentiment against, in this case, the United States. Um, it reverses it. It adds talking points uh, for why the United mm. States uh, it should be trusted. Uh, it converts it back into the same language, figures out the most optimal places and people to message it to, and then blasts it on a botnet. All automated. All you have to do is decide. Here's the campaigns I want to run. Right. Um, that's 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 the, that's the risk. That's that's a risk anyway. That's happened, but it's just easier now. That's happened, but it took a lot of work, and now you can do it. A single person can do millions and millions and millions of right. these things. But but then again, we get back to the cat and mouse, right? So that's the red team, you know, for example, or the bad side or the offensive, and then the defensive too, right? Is Well, okay, so th- this is my very the, last talking AI point. AI will help. This is this is my last talking point on this because what what it enables is authoritarian regimes to go do some very terrible things. And maybe we're a f- totally free country right now, 100% free, and there's no problems at all and no one is ever doing grabs for power ever in the United States. Maybe. I don't think so. I think we have a lot of power-hungry people who would claw and kill anybody in their path to get there. Well, it's it's and happened certainly outside the United States. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, 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 you know, not not to get into politics, but the evidence, you know, post certain election events in the his, the history of the U.S., you know, post the event points to more and more foreign influence. Right. And all right, let's move on. I think we killed this one. Uh, I want to talk about what you brought for us today. Ah, I, I bring terrible jokes, a little bit of goofballs, some, <laughs> some questionable <laughs> hairstyles. Do you want to go first? No, you go ahead. go ahead. So um, as one does when one has a lot of time to read and travel, that's what I'm fortunate enough to do in my life, meet cool people like yourself, read and travel. I am so tickled with how far we're moving on fusion. And so whenever... Again, this is my interpretation of the consensus of the experts and scientists, but we get so many, so much of the news of, about climate change, environment, energy crisis, et cetera. Energy um, is not always awesome, right, um, depending on where your perspective is. However, fusion is no longer always 30 years away. Uh, in my hand, I hold um, part of an actual fuel that can be used and there's so many different approaches to fusion. It's such a fascinating subject. Nuclear fusion, um, the Helion, which is popularized by Sam Altman and some others. Helion is a company 
um, that is predicting fusion by 2028. And so nuclear fusion is not fission. Fission is nuclear bomb boom. Um, fusion is one of the most uh, common occurrences in space-time. 75% of the universe is stars. Stars have uh, gravitational giant-ass gravity pulls in hydrogen and um, under the right kind of pressure and temperature, we get stars, which is most of the world. This wood is more rare uh, than fusion, you know, and or plasma. And so long story short, um, I, we are just a few years away, in my opinion, from commercial fusion, which depending on how you cut it, like maybe 33% ish, there's lots of different perspectives of quote unquote, uh, carbon footprint um, of the pie that is responsible for climate change, or at least the energy we use um, comes from creating electricity, fossil fuels. And so, again, this is not for cars, but this would replace power plants, coal, et cetera. Uh, well, it could be for certain types of cars. <laughs> if it's big enough. If it's big enough. Uh, so it's a huge subject. Well, no, I mean, because of batteries. Yeah. So so what this is, uh, into uh, tie in a bit to Oppenheimer, which is it was a popular movie right now. Um, they I don't know if they really explicitly talk about it, um, but Oppenheimer... Like the legislation around AI, we had good, you know, Oppenheimer was a, he had the emotional intelligence, social skill to try to balance and sell the science to the politicians. And so he actually, they were going to make isotopes, you know, like many times when politicians and humans don't understand, they're just like, ban it all, right? And Oppenheimer was like, no, 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 a lot of isotopes are good for science and health. This isn't all weapon stuff, right? And so Oppenheimer during those hearings, as you see in some of them in the movie, they, uh, he may be, who knows, he may be responsible for the reason I can just, this is chilling in my Tesla and I can bring it in. So what, what this is, this is a deuterium oxide. It's heavy water and it is uh, hydrogen oxide and, and hydrogen um, normally is a proton. This one is an isotope. Isotopes are different. If you go back to like chemistry and the periodic table of elements, each, uh, you know, protons and neutrons in the nucleus and hydrogen is one. You go all the way up to like uranium and so uh, the hydrogen is one of the most common things in the universe. And then you go up to helium and then lithium, right? And so this also segues a bit lithium into why EVs are, they're not as maybe green as companies say, but lithium is, there's a lot of good ways to get lithium. And um, that's another discussion. But what's so cool about this is, I think anyways, is that uh, I, I got this online. Wasn't that hard to get? Small amount. This is 99% deuterium. So I could take this uh, water, heavy water, and if you weighed this next to regular um, distilled water, this is actually 10% heavier. I could drink this. So in our coffee, your water, uh, one in every 6,400-ish, maybe 5,000-ish, depends if it's seawater, whatever, of regular hydrogen uh, H2O uh, is, is this, is heavy water. Now, this is typically used for medical things for you can do a lot of cool stuff with it um you can also make a hydrogen bomb with it you can do that you can do that uh you need a lot more than this yes. and then you need other things too yes um so th this is safe i could drink this if i drank enough that it was 20 percent of the volume of my body water i'm pretty big dude i might notice it if i drink 50 percent, i'll definitely notice it so it's safe it's easy it's good nuclear it's can save the world and it's one of those things where um 
I can't believe like I'm here, like we're potentially like three years, five years away from five years, probably. There was, there was just something in the news, maybe two days ago about this, uh, where, uh, the United States, I think the ignition laboratory was able to start and stop a fusion reactor like multiple times in a day, which is a big, you know, yeah. for, because normally they just burn everything out and nothing, it just will not restart. <laughs> well, and this, one of the great things after talking about legislation around AI, advanced technologies, fear and certainty doubt, the legislation around nuclear materials is actually pretty good. I think it's a story of how things went well because they had good scientists that communicated and we understood how the, the good, the potential good for this technology. I also don't like AI compared to nuclear because they're quite different. AI can do so many more good things than bad. Nuclear you know, fission, uranium enriched nuclear. So uh, one, this is you can get different percentages. This is ninety nine point nine. So I could I could take this. In fact, actually, I have a few uh, small demonstrators where I'm, I'm working on some fun. Um, basically, there's there's a whole other subject called uh, uh, physics inspired neural networks pins. And because the human brain has evolved to really get a calculus time and space, catching things, changing over time, uh, and neural networks underneath the hood, it's a lot of matrices and matrix calculants. It's just a lot of calculus. It's a giant-ass calculus engine, right? Calculus has changed over time. We do it subconsciously in the car, right, when we're driving, slowing down, predicting. And so there, there's so many applications that fusion can help the world free clean energy very low cost free energy ish low um depending where you go and, and so but i mean that free i should say so much lower 10 to 20 times cheaper so helion uh again i don't have they don't they're a privately held company and they have no consulting at work remote i'd love to work with them but um <laughs> where are they based they're uh everett washington so again another interesting West so many technology, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like uh, with so many technologies, including fusion, we understand the science. A lot of this was done in the 50s and 60s, and we now finally have the technology. And it's just an engineering problem. Like Elon Musk and Mars fusion, we're at that point where it's not wild ass speculation; it's engineering. And so, the uh, Everett Washington has, uh, you know, again, aerospace is pretty good. There's a lot engineering is fascinating, but aerospace is also kind of used to expensive things, exotic things, right? Titanium and, and machining. And one of the fun things about fusion from an AI perspective, there's so many problems. It's not just about plasma. It's not just about nuclear physics. It's, it's, um, borated, borated concrete, borated, uh, polyethylene, which you could 3d print with. No one's doing it yet, but there's, there's, uh, double E there's a building, there's glass, there's machinists, there's, um, vacuum chambers, these crazy big vacuum pumps. Like it's all this cool, cool engineering science stuff. And you're like, well, it's like Star Trek. We literally have a reactor, you know, like you ready to quote Star Trek or Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in fact, actually I'll explain this one in a second, but you'll see some, some movies, including the expanse or well, series Spanse was pretty good with physics. You'll see them insert pellets right you know dilithium crystal maybe yeah. and so this uh i could i could um add electricity to this and the the hydrogen gas that comes off uh you can take that hydrogen that's how you release it and then you could compress it squeeze it add electricity there's a lot of different ways to get plasma and pl you know plasma is the fourth state of matter right like you have solid liquid gas and then you 
gas is like really excited. And then you go after gas, you get really super excited and you have plasma. And we, we're familiar with plasma, right? We have stars, we have fire, and we have lightning. Many, there's many other states of matter, though. Oh. Uh, there's like 20 or something states of matter. I forget the number, but it's a bunch. Yeah. Well, like well glass well, is a state of matter. And there's a bunch yeah. Of well, I mean, it's, well, so glass is a, yeah, that's another discussion. But yeah, glass is technically like a fluid, right? Like super slow There's moving two different types of glass one is a fluid one is not and they're different and anyway, and uh, that's an aside but uh, yeah so w- th- this is personally i'm just excited like whenever i'm sleeping or i have free time whatever i just find myself um teaching my i've been teaching myself fusion now uh this year and going and attending conferences and working on my prototypes and playing with like ai jupyter notebooks like a lot of my work is reading research papers creating a notebook, validating it, that applied it to new data set and trying to be creative with it. Um, a lot of things an LLM can't do because I have serendipity and agency and just kidding. That's right. But, um, but you do. Yes. That's, that's absolutely true. But, but this, this, this is, you know, in a world where we don't always get such great news, this is like, to me, crazy exciting. So a couple of years ago, um, there's several different companies. There's a lot of approaches to fusion. But I'm, but uh, I won't talk about too many, except that Helion is one of the most interesting, and that's what they use. This, in fact, they have the same thing, and they put their little logo on it. Um, and essentially, w- w- the way that, one of the reasons Fusion's been hard is because you you need a lot of like energy, right, in a small space. Potentially, we don't have the space for the sun. We don't have the gravity of the sun, um, and so th- this. Fusion happens, we're getting about 100 million degrees. And so, you know, you, a lot of science is just you adjust. Everything is trade-offs, right? So you can adjust the pressure, the temperature. Um, there's different ways to do it. Uh, and, and so the sun is like around 20 million degrees-ish at the hottest, 12 million degrees at the coolest. And each time we have a fusion experiment on Earth some of the more interesting ones they're getting 50 million 80 million 100 million degrees we're actually the hottest place in the solar system hot three t's and it's um it's 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 so just fascinating to me because a lot of people don't understand this it's moving so fast and you read in the news microsoft signed a deal with helion energy to provide a 50 50 megawatt reactor in 2028 you're like wait a second i thought fusion was like 50 years away 30 years away right and, and Eater in Europe, um, I-E-I-T-E-E-R, uh, they're still building this giant thing that's multi-decades in, and it's going so slow that now that we have Helion, and, and that's another, again, why I think when we look at fusion, we, hopefully with AI we can have good legislation following the nuclear-like legislation. Same with AI. So... This, in my opinion, one of the reasons is so much, so fascinating is that if you're in engineering, if you're even in like the business side of it, there's a lot of money. And one kilo right now, they're talking about one to two cents per kilowatt hour once this thing is up and running. And and so um, one of the things that I that I'm hoping to do is uh, I have I've I've had some of my friends, kids, and nieces and nephews play with it. I basically have like a um, it's like a plasma pipe and actually has like, it's like a plasma globe kind of, but mm-hmm. in a cylindrical shape with some magnets and things. And just, just having people playing with plasma in that notion of play, like what is this thing doing? What, how would you write an algorithm to accurately predict every arc of the lightning and make that you're seeing, right? It's not an easy thing to do. Plasma right. is this crazy thing. 
And and so my my hope is with AI, with science and fusion, maybe even my own podcast. If I'm less la- if I'm less lazy, not, not a <laughs> as uh, as disciplined as, as Arsenic, that uh, this is this kind of ties together a lot of things, you know. And and I've got some laser prototypes too. That's another discussion. But with this one, if anyone, one of the reasons I think they actually it might work, um, if I may, and stop me if this gets too boring. But there's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different kinds. Um, and a few, uh, 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 Dennis White. The Tokamak. Yeah. Factors. So Tokamak is actually a Russian design. Mm-hmm. Markov decision processes, Markov chains, Russian. Tokamak, Russian. You know, it's interesting. You know, like we all, we don't choose when we were born. And I just feel so sad sometimes for Russia because I think it's one of those things where there's all these amazing people and there's just some weird, you know, po- political stuff happening that uh it's just a lot of unnecessary suffering uh but anyways yeah so the tokamak design um is a plasma donut and you you essentially there's a lot of different ways to do it but um it like nuclear fission like a chernobyl and others by the way uh this is um the reason that chernobyl happened is because communist communism was cheap and this is this particular one. This is another form. I'll get into this one. This is actually, uh, this is a sandblasting cap. It's just super hard. It's like a ceramic graphite kind of thing. So this is boron carbide. Uh, I'm guessing it's boron 12, 11, which is the one you want uh, for fusion. But um, but anyways, it, uh, so, so this, I could actually, I, I hope to take this thing and actually demonstrate a small, not, no dangerous radiation, very minimal. Same as background radiation, um, but it will glow pink in a jar, a little mini star in a jar that I can actually use this for directly. Uh, this I cannot stick into a reactor, but it's very similar. So, so super aside, way more people die from coal and fossil fuels and current fuel sources orders of magnitude more than all that ever happened from Chernobyl and Fukushima. So like even existing nuclear power plants are still good, ethical. We should keep them. Shouldn't shut them down. Germany got really weird and went. It sure did. And, and so this something like this i maybe i this is not an expensive one so maybe i'm making the same mistake with this one as, <laughs> as chernobyl did but they got cheap with their little caps and that's why chernobyl happened plus some politics so uh the, the this um one of the reasons i think tokamak is a whole thing but they're very big and it's hard and then you have to there's there's different it's there's like different what is it toroidal yeah it's a donut there's different shapes of them yeah and and the fusion process there's a lot of ways to do fusion right and so um stepping back the periodic table elements not to get too nerdy but things kind of want to stabilize like over time just naturally uh over time there it was i was wondering if i would uh <laughs> I, I over time i should stabilize with the microphone <laughs> Uh, the, the over time, uh, things decay naturally. Right. And, and so like uranium turns into lead, lead turns into gold, you know, keep going down the chain. Right. And, and that's the, the heavier stuff. And, um, that has lots of protons and neutrons. Then you go all the way to hydrogen, the most common, right? Hydrogen goes helium, helium, lithium, et cetera. And then you get up to, um, uh, boron, which, which, which is five. And then, uh, you get up to, uh, carbon, which is six on the periodic table elements. And so naturally this stuff is happening, right? And all we're trying to do is sort of like as interesting evolved monkeys or pre-AI, um, we haven't met alien AI yet. Another argument why strong AI may not be bad because 
information, even if wormholes are possible, it's still, they still most likely have limitations and it's cheaper to send a signal than a big physical starship. We haven't met any killer alien AI yet that we know of. So super speculative, but good news. We haven't met another civilization's killer AI. So that, that, that bodes well for AI. It's not going to kill us, hopefully. So uh, things want to kind of converge on iron, like rust, right? Like that's kind of without getting too boring and long about nuclear physics and natural processes. And so what we're doing is we're basically just trying to create our star in the jar and take helium or hydrogen and turn it to helium. And, but different, when you start adding more protons to the center of the nucleus, uh, you can get off radiation, which can be dangerous, but there's a lot of different isotopes. Isotopes just means it, you have different numbers of neutrons typically, but it's also really helpful for medicine and around the world. So th this isn't just for energy, but also um, you could, uh, I'm also working on some 3D printed prototypes. Um, so you could 3D print particular types of materials and blast it in like a vacuum chamber with some plasma, some fire and electricity, mm -hmm. and you get interesting isotopes that come off of that. And then that can be used for medicine from cancer to other things. And in the world right now, there's only, I think there's like, I could be wrong, probably 500, 900, 1,000. Uh, some of these isotopes have a very short life. So if you're like stuck in the middle of nowhere and you're not around one of these advanced, you know, nuclear reactor isotope, medical isotope generators, you're never going to get that advanced cancer treatment, right? And, and so this, there's... Well, it might be useful on a different planet, for instance. Right. And, and so uh, propulsion too, uh, and certainly in space. Um, so, I, you know, there's, there's so many cool things about this that's like... AI and this is how we get to Star Trek, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, uh, it, but now it's not just like hundreds, thousands, never, it's like, holy crap, you know, and, um, it's happening, it's happening, it's exciting. So, for, you know, forgive me if I'm being too boring, but w one of the, um, Helion, this, uh, David Kirtley was one of the founders of Helion. And when you start listening to Fusion, it's not always exciting presentations, you know, like, <laughs> So, so some of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, um, mostly European-based, had the 29th conference on fusion a few weeks ago, you know, and, and a lot of it is like, well, we, we slowly added like one more engineering, you know, kind of, you know, forever long project. Not to knock them, you know, but, but when you, you know, I get excited, but I was like, I can't really expect normal people like just like why like hey honey let me turn off 90 day fiance or <laughs> avengers let's watch this presentation <laughs> I, I, but but i love uh if anyone's ever bored no advice anything that david Kirtley does uh who's the seat one of the ceos and founder of uh of helion my favorite fusion that's happening soon ish uh he's awesome he's really good to listen to he's entertaining uh he's honest uh, and then Dennis White, which is kind of like my opinion, he's like the the Captain America of U.S. fusion. But he and that's also another really interesting in terms of legislation, academic um, startup, because because I have I was in meetings with people recently. I have friends that have to leave startups because their their universities are giving them a hard time. And uh, more than one uh, makes me sad, you know, that they can't do both. But anyways, um a bunch of MIT students were tired of like, I want to do fusion. And then it's like, okay, I might get to go visit ITER, you know, once a year. And so there was a partnership between MIT uh, and the industry and Commonwealth Fusion Systems. And so Commonwealth Fusion Systems, Dennis White headed it. 
is heading it from MIT. They are a bunch of grad students started it. Really fascinating. They are making the tokamak, my opinion. They call it the arc reactor. It's kind of like a D-shaped donut. Um, and that's sort of the most classic design. And that one is well, maybe less than 15 years away. I haven't checked the latest news. Uh, they're breaking ground on their, not commercial, but their one before commercial. It's still like big, yeah. but instead of being like 10 to 15 stories tall, it's like three, maybe five stories tall, mm-hmm. which is huge, right? Because as we are like, what's exciting is it's just engineering and complexity, but that, that 30 years, right? Like engineering complexity, it's a big deal. Like, like Elon Musk was like, you know, years ago, he's like, we're like 60 plus explosions away from going to Mars with, with SpaceX and their program. Have you ever been to South Padre, by the way, see a launch? I have not, which is a little surprising because I'm actually into that, but uh, yeah, it's no, great. You can, the, there. I haven't been in a while, but you could, the road goes right to the middle of the base to go to Boca Chica. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like an, it's like an not super exciting nature preserve. And they just built it right in the middle. So you can like the, the security guards and stuff will come up, you know, and, and I'm not, yeah, all I was standing in a public road, just taking a quick selfie in front of, um, I don't know what they have now, but, uh, we, we got some selfies. It's all, it's awesome. It's like, I'll sit at the beach, check out some rockets. It's like no yeah, big deal. That's cool. It's, times we live in, it's crazy. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. So anyway, so Dennis White and the arc reactor, um, really interesting. It's moving fast faster and it's one of the most interesting approaches in the world it's my second winner for fusion but uh at least 10 years maybe 15 yeah that that's it's it's an ongoing discussion now the and that that is uh, again engineering and that style of fusion without getting too boring there um there's a lot of so this is so many interesting topics all of which ai has many ways in which to help yes the reason that they're moving ahead faster is because of the Rebco tape, uh, rare earth, barium, copper oxide. Um, basically, it's better superconductors. Now, we won't, I won't go into the Korean superconductor news. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, again, AI is useful for all these, in both creating the research, the validation, et cetera. So just writing it up when you're done. I mean, it's super useful. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, we talk about superconductivity. I mean, geez, quantum medicine, it's, it's hard. It's easier to think almost what superconductivity doesn't help with than what it does. I mean, it really can increase the quality of AI, superconductivity, fusion. These can really increase the quality of life for the whole planet in, in ways, um, that they're almost unimaginable sometimes. And it's exciting. Um, so anyways, the, um, yeah, Dennis White, he's just, uh, he's, he's, I really enjoy, uh, all the work that he's done. He's a great person to listen to. And then, and then, um, David Kirtley of Helion, like, so the arc reactor, that, that's us's latest version. And it's also interesting because it's a really good collaboration between MIT and Commonwealth fusion systems, which is a private company. And I, I don't know what they put in, but here's the other weird part about us. The amount of funding and fusion in the U.S. is nothing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, there's a lot of great grants at Colorado for all kinds of cool sciences, like 50,000 50, to 500 grand. Um, you know, everything from like infrasound for um, detecting migration patterns of animals. You know, there's a lot of great stuff. But the amount of fusion funding in the States is nothing. Yeah. And it's like, man, what would we do without capitalism right now for fusion? Fusion would be dead without capitalism. 
And I don't have the answers, but it's just abysmally small. And so Commonwealth Fusion System, MIT, MIT's got a huge pocketbook, right? And so they're jamming. They're moving fast ahead. They're going to go, they, they started, I think, in 2015, and they're going to get to their goal way faster than all the bigger ones like in Eider in Europe and stuff that are still like decades away. Um, now, Helion, the best for last. Um, Helion, they are, they don't even, oh, this is probably going to be too deep and nerdy, Hopefully, I'll inspire a few scientists out there. Um, whenever you, there's a lot, so many different ways to do fusion, and it's so complicated, and it's beautiful, and and just fascinating. Even if all you want to do uh, is machining or CAD or engineering or like high high temperature superconductors, low temperature superconductors, there's just so many things to be into. And so, the helium fusion is actually came out of Star Trek propulsion. So we talk about um, impulse speed, uh, plasma, vent the plasma, impulse speed. Um, you know, a lot of Gene, Rod Gene Roddenberry is a helicopter pilot, so I'm not always a fan of the strict military thing. Right. Um, but, but Star Trek's awesome. You know, I, I still love it as a uh, reference for the future, that there's a lot of room for a lot of things. You know, Star Trek has the Borg. You could argue the Borg is bad AI, right? Mm -hmm. So good. you have data and lore, right? The good and the bad AI. Um, Data wins. I, I'm still biased towards the, the good AI <laughs> versus the bad AI. So anyways, the, the um, plasma in my prototype that I'm building, maybe I'll bring it on the show sometime when I'm done, uh, it's modular. I and don't so, think it would do so well with these mics. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, I'm making it, I'm, I'm doing desktop demos of science-y stuff so I can show like an AI application, like here's a Jupyter Notebook, you can, like here's ChatGPT for Fusion on your phone kind of thing, hopefully lightsaber. But then, so like, that's my hope is to be a bit of a science advocate and have some fun. I'm working on my jokes that I need better jokes. Universal <laughs> audience, if anyone knows, has good jokes. Well, speaking of jokes, um, you're starting a podcast. I know that's something you were worried about with a podcast. Why don't you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Uh, well, last thing I'll say about this, and I know I'm probably going on too, too long about it, but um, it's, uh, ah, it's just so fascinating. If they have YouTube videos, they're very open source. And so like TAE fusion systems, they don't show a lot of what they're doing. Um, you, you look at it and, and a lot of it is kind of confusing. These guys, have, you can, I'm watching their videos. Like it, it makes my day to just look at like, oh my gosh, that's how they're solving this problem. Or holy cow, their vacuum pump is huge. You're like, nice pump, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that, that was my only recommendation is if anyone is bored or interested out there, you know, just get on YouTube, Google this company, read for their fact. It's just you know, when I talk to my students or friends, what are people interested in? You know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And, and that environmental aspect too. Um, oh, we can put a link in the comments. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. So my podcast, uh, if I'm less lazy and I actually finish it or yeah. start it, which is hopefully soon. Um, it, it's What's it going to be called? Do you have a name for it? I don't have a name for it. You know, the, the ridiculous variety show. <laughs> mm. um, before I... Uh, moved overseas. I lived overseas for a long time. I was, uh, I did the uh, student government radio show, UT Austin. It was super fun. Um, Pickle Russ. Hello and welcome. <laughs> hello and welcome to this week in student government brought but to you I, by. You got a great voice for radio. Uh, it was so, it was so fun. I missed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love people like give me a hug, you know, love and science. I was thinking about calling the show love and science mm -hmm. way back then. Mm -hmm. Then, but then people did not, they were like piss off with that neural network stuff. Like I was at the time I wanted to get my PhD and 
similar to what is now called deep learning and generative AI. And they're like, get out of here with that. I was like, oh man. So I, my gap year turned into a lot of gap years traveling the world. Then I didn't do the podcast and uh, ended it's up doing- It's time. It's past time. And so, um, uh, yeah, you're awesome. I appreciate you know th this, this being on here, uh, wow, a year and a half ago and now has really reminded me um, how much fun it is. And, you know, it's nowadays, though, it's also there's so many podcasts. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But, man, there are a lot of uh, podcasts. But also when I ask, like, my niece and nephew and, and younger people um, under 18 or 24, I guess, um, what do you, if you could do anything, what would you do? A lot of times it's like a podcast, professional podcaster, or professional video gamer are two common responses that I get. I not recommend either of those jobs. I know, right? So... <laughs> Do, some, like, do something important with your life. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I think the only reason I get away with this is because this isn't my job. If this were my job, oof, it would be rough. So. Oh, yeah. If, well, and you do a really good job at it. And, you know, we, we talked a bit about um, j just the logistics of it, you know, and the potential for AI for podcasting and, and what do people want. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about the future of getting rid of the boring parts of the job because there's a lot of little parts that are just monotonous and boring. I wish they were rote and easy and, uh, you know, time codes, for instance, that should just be a thing that's just done for me. And so I have a feeling that's like 10 seconds away from being done. So <laughs> I am looking forward to that day. Okay, Russ. Or, or stopping those guys for the go on and on about, um, cognitive architectures and fusion. Exactly. You gotta watch out for those tangents. Exactly. It's long and boring. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I need a I need a little like sign here that says, uh, "Hey, Russ, you're tapping," or "Hey, Russ, you're not close enough to the mic." And the AI is telling you it's not. It's like, well, the AI said so. You're not. Don't get don't get pissed at me. <laughs> I can just take a photo of you. you can do. Uh, you can be like, oh, you're a little too far from the mic. Yeah. Just one of the last things I wanted to mention about this is uh, this is approximately worth at least twenty two thousand four hundred barrels of oil. This little ten grams. It's not even full. Just chilling. Just chilling. Just chilling. Just chilling. No big deal. One big cents deal. per kilowatt hour. Mm -hmm. Save the world. No big deal. That'd be useful. Um, All right, Russ. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, where can people reach you? Ah, so uh, Russ at newlabs.ai, um, N-U-L-A-B-S.ai. And um, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'll have to put a link to your show when it's finally out. Looking forward to it. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks, Arsenic. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Cheers.